Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Over 6 Sports Podcast. We are broadcasting to you live, in person, together for the first time from Burke's Bar in the basement of my house. Super exciting. First time that Cam and I have done this. Uh, Obviously, with COVID and everything, we haven't been able to do this. Now we can. Uh, as always, I am Zach the Bandit Burke, and as I said, with me, as always, and back after a two-week hiatus, it is the man you know and love, it's the Turf King, Cameron Charlton. How we doing tonight, Cam? I mean, how can I be? We're sitting in your bar, finally getting back on the podcast. It's been a weird two weeks not being a part of it. I mean, sometimes life gets in the way, but you know, here we are, back at it. We got a lot to wrap up. Olympics finished up, Jays, Raps, NFL season's on the rise, so ton to talk about, but it's nice to be doing this live, sharing drinks, instead of uh, kind of doing this through the computer. Yeah, I think we can actually just do like a nice cheers for the first time. Look at that, cheers live on the pot. Um, I could actually get used to that. That'd be nice. Yeah. That would be good. It's not bad at all. It's definitely way better to do this in person and uh, get to see a little more reactions, and uh, hopefully we just don't argue too much, because now we're actually in fist distance and uh, can start a real fight so <laughs> fist distance i mean come on how can you get mad like you're in you're in burke's bar you got leafs jerseys surrounding you you've got the raptors 2019 world champs banner behind you pro- uh, courtesy of dave top my father-in-law shout out was bitching me out last or two weeks ago because i didn't uh, didn't shout him out for that so there's the there's the uh, the obligatory obligatory uh shout out nate mckinnon mitch marner Dolphins jerseys, how can you not be psyched up? I mean, I look around and I see the Raptors jerseys, the championship banner. I see my name on a plaque for winning a golf tournament. Oh, God. Most things are good, and then you see the Leafs jerseys, and it's a little bit of a letdown. But, I mean, things are good. The drinks are flowing. Everything's good. Uh, Ready to talk some sports. It's been a while. Yeah, man. Let's do it. I'm so excited. I mean, so, like, as I said, like, I was on vacation last week, and um, I had a, a relaxing but tiring vacation with my ass in a chair and, uh, you know, sitting on a dock with about a thousand beers, not only just me, but, uh, our, our buddy Nate, who's been on the pod before shout out to my sister and her fiance as well. They got engaged up there this week. Wild stuff. Um, but yeah, happy to be back, ready to get into it. Cam, we're going to do headlines. I'm pumped for it. We haven't done headlines in a couple weeks. Let's start it off right now. Man, there's been so much happening over the last few weeks. I don't know if we just started through headlines or just start working our way through stuff. I mean, the thing that wrapped up just before you left is the Olympics. And I think that's where we got to start. The okay. Olympics. Yeah. I know we missed a few things, but it was a great Olympics for Canada. Yeah. Their most successful summer Olympics ever. And there's just some great players to talk about. The big one we have to talk about is Canada finally doing it in women's soccer. Wild and stuff. Christine Sinclair, we talked about her during our Canada Day pod. Is she the greatest Canadian athlete of all time? And she finally got her gold. And nothing was really better than seeing her finally up on the top of that podium with gold. It was a little sour, I have to say, with COVID restrictions and seeing the mask over her face. Like, you just wanted to see the emotion Mm -hmm. and how she was feeling. But uh, Canadian women doing it was awesome. It's huge. And if you thought Canadian soccer wasn't big just because of what's happened, winning bronze and stuff, they've not won the gold medal. They beat the States. And you just heard, like, Megan Rapinoe talking about, like... Herself, first of all, and the team. Like, like, I just like to interject that she'd, like... Like, the one thing that I found about Megan Rapinoe's interview is, like, she was not, like, to me, she was a sore loser. 
Like, she didn't talk about, like, oh, you know, they outplayed us. It was all, like, us. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. Uh, we think we should have beat them. This, that, and the other thing. No credit given to Team Canada whatsoever. Like, that actually bothered me. Yeah, I agree. It definitely bothered me as well. But at the same point, like, she had never lost to Canada. That's in true. In her career. So, should she be kind of cocky about it and maybe kind of a sore loser? I kind of see it. But you finally lost and Canada finally slayed the dragon. Like, it really wasn't much of a championship ever. It's kind of like almost, I know the States is up there in hockey now, but women's soccer has just been the States and everyone else playing for other medals. Yeah. Well, and, and not only that too, I mean, I mean, you can bring up the States and, and, and which is rightfully so. I mean, they've been unbelievable for, I mean, forever really. Um, but like Sweden was a favorite in that final game. I mean, I, you look online and like, even in Canada on Canadian Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And like, I mean, there was a couple of people who thought that Canada had a chance, but for the most part, they were like, oh yeah, Swedes, Swedes. Or like Bodog put out a, a poll and it was like 67% thought the Swedes were going to win. And I was like, which, I mean, watching that game, no, but like 60 minutes in, I was like, oh my God, like they're not even close. No, as a Canadian and a Canadian soccer fan, Canada didn't deserve to win this No. Game. They did not deserve to win that soccer game, no. but they did it. And, I mean, huge props. I mean, Sweden had a chance to win it, and you missed the net and penalties. I mean, I honestly think I might miss the soccer ball. If I had to kick for the Olympic gold medal, I might not even be able to hit the ball. But, I mean, that's where the credit's due. Like, everyone's going to talk about Christine Sinclair and the legacy she has, because it's amazing. But Steph Labe, like... Oh, man. She was unbelievable, and she's the reason that Canada came home with a gold medal. I can't believe how, like... The amount of penalties that she stopped is actually outrageous. Like... And I'm not, I, there has to, that has to be a skill. Like it's, it, I mean, I get, like if you look at regular soccer, like Premier League or whatever, th- these guys barely stop it. And you can say, and there's people who argue online, I've seen it. They're like, well, guys kick it harder. It's like, yeah, well, they also can jump harder. They're also bigger. They're also taller. They're also longer. Like what, what she did in the Olympics was just so impressive. And like as a Canadian soccer player, and you look at the, how the, the penalty, like the penalty shots and everything actually shaped up. Canada was behind and like, but you, you don't see any panic there because you're like, we got Steph LeBay in that. Like she's going to stop it. Like she's going to stop everything. Man, did you see her? Like she was getting in trouble by the refs. Cause even when Canada's down in the penalty shootout, the ball's sitting there and she like gets in the U S player's face <laughs> and it's just kind of smiling and bouncing around. Yeah. And the refs like pointing her back on the line, back of the line, but she's just jumping around smiling. Canada's one shot away from losing and getting silver medal. And she's still jumping around smiling. That's got to get in your head. Like, when you're that, like, you're like, I've done this before. I've made a ton of stops in these Olympics. I can do one more. And she was just unbelievable in, like, how the legacy of Sinclair needs to be there. Yep. Oh, yeah. Labe is the reason that Canada went away with gold medal in the Olympics. And it was unbelievable to watch and see. And, and I, I, I'm, the, the name of the girl who hit the two penalties is, is slipping my mind. But, but uh, Christine Sinclair, in the semifinals versus the U.S., Canada gets a penalty. And it like to me, again as an unbiased like I, again I don't I love to see Canada win. Don't get me wrong, but to me the penalty was really soft in the semis. I thought for a semifinal call that was I mean they went to um, to VAR which is fine, um, but whatever like it's it's I I just thought it was soft and 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 then, and then the ones versus the Swedes against again I I. I don't know. I, I get. I guess it's a penalty, but I'm still. I, I mean, maybe the bias there is because like we watch hockey a lot, where there's lots of infractions and things don't get called, 
and we're like, oh yeah, just let him play. I mean, maybe in soccer where chances are limited, it's it's different. I don't know, but it definitely seems like it's going along the lines of like you see the penalty shot called more in hockey now. They're doing that more with soccer, and the VAR. I will give it; it's starting to be very consistent. Whether it's weak or not, they are consistent with it. Like, do I think probably those should have been penalties? No. But they are being very consistent with it. I was watching a few of the other games during the Olympics, and they were consistent. So that's all I wanted to see. And it was the same in the finals, and it benefited Canada. Well, and and like as I said, shout out to Jesse Fleming. That's the name of the girl who who scored. Like Christine Sinclair got you know got the penalty, handed the ball over to Jesse Fleming, young member of the team, who to her credit buried that one, and then she buried another one in the in the finals. And like. Like, to have the gall, like especially as you want a young member of the team. I mean, think about this. The captain of Team Canada, who is the most highest international goal scorer of all time, hands you the ball and says, yeah, this game's on you. Go put it in the net. I have faith in you. How do you not score that? Yeah. You, you can't. You, no. you, you have to score that. That's like Wayne Gretzky coming up to you. Wayne Gretzky gets a penalty shot in the NHL finals of game seven in overtime and comes up to you and is like, hey, I don't think I can score this. I have faith in you. You have to score that. There's no other option. Yeah, and it was it was unbelievable to see. And just to be able to do it not once but multiple times in the Olympics to help them win gold was awesome to see from Fleming. And, I mean, it was just an awesome feeling. Like, I was at work watching it on my phone when I went to penalties and just watched the entire shootout, and you just love to see it. This is huge for Canadian soccer and women's sport in Canada. Like, it's – how do we not have a professional team in Canada yet? This has – if this doesn't do it, I don't know yeah, what I, will. I don't know. And it's just got to be big. These are how – you're seeing it more and more with the Canadian men. Guys are coming through the programs like TFC Academy, Vancouver. And if the women can start putting this together, now – not only are we world champions and the best in the world right now, it can really start to build for the future. And that's what I hope to see out of this. And it was awesome to see. And it's not like the, I don't want to go on this forever, but it's not like the team Canada women, like beat like, like ranky ding teams. Like they beat Brazil. They beat the U S they beat Sweden. Like they beat good, like well-known soccer clubs or football clubs, whatever you want to say. They didn't like beat up on, on teams like, I don't know. I don't know what crap. Like like Mexico. Like they didn't like beat up on Mexico or they didn't beat up on um, Greece or something like that. Like people had no chance, right? Like they beat up on quality, quality football clubs. Beat up's a strong word, but they beat quality football clubs. So there's complete legitimacy to this win, which is what I love. Um, you said something to actually me probably a, maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, just talking about like um, women's soccer registration. After, you know, 2012, they run bronze. They won bronze in Rio in 2016. And soccer registration for women and girls has gone up and up and up. And if this has to, like, it would not shock me. Now, especially after COVID where there has been a lack of sports, you want to get girls fired up to play some soccer, win a gold medal. Same thing that, like, the Raptors would have done winning in 2019. Basketball registration. Look at all the Canadians. I know this has been a long time coming, partially because of Vince. But like all the Canadians that are now getting drafted into the NBA, you don't think that in 10 years there's going to be an influx of Canadian basketball players? You bet your ass there will be. And guess who they're going to say was their idol growing up? Kyle Lowry. Uh, guys like uh, like so Serge Ibaka, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Gasol. Like this is what's going to happen in 10 years. And this is what's going to happen with this gold medal for the women. You're going to have these girls coming to play soccer 
And this only grows the program. Success breeds success. That is just, and that's, 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 the, that's how it is. Leafs is a good example. Losing breeds losing. But success breeds success. So in the future for Canadian women's soccer, it's bright now. It's only going to get brighter. Yeah, and I mean, just talking about success, I think we got to move into the next sport and the next athlete, and that's Damian Warner. So how much do you know about the decathlon, Merck? Um, I mean, okay, so I know that it's like considered like the greatest athlete in the world, which to me makes sense because you're competing in 10 different sports. I can't even train for like one. Yeah, so you're in the 100-meter dash, the running long jump, shot putt, high jump, 400-meter. That's just in one day. Mm-hmm. So that's the first day. Second day, you're doing a 110-meter hurdle, discus, pole vault, javelin, and a 1,500-meter run. So that's your 10 events. Yeah. So to not say you're the best athlete in the world is crazy. And Damian Warner won gold, and he won it in record fashion, breaking the Olympic record. 9,018 points. Yeah. it's There hasn't been that many people to get over 9,000 points. And what Damian Warner did was, is super impressive. And when you start to talk about more about what Damian Warner did, other people were training at high-end facilities. This guy had a, an arena in London, Ontario, yeah. and was training out of an abandoned, not abandoned, but an arena that wasn't functioning during COVID. How much you want to bet that it was London Ice Park where I play hockey? I almost guarantee it. He was like, oh, it's a drafty old cold barn. That is London Ice Park, 100%. Shout out to uh, to Vandalay Industries, who are my team who plays there. But man, that barn is shit. And I get like I would not be shocked honestly if that I would love to know which arena was it that you trained at. It'd be yeah. hilarious, and it's just crazy. You see all these other people in the decathlon. You had the world record holder in there. You had some other guys, and not only did this guy do that. If you look at his stats, 110 meter hurdle, his time would have won bronze against hurdlers. Yeah, not multi sport athletes. Right, guys who train in one thing. He would have made the final for the hundred meter. <laughs> His time would have made the final. No, nah, he wouldn't have won. No, he wouldn't have won a medal, but no. it would have made the final. It was so crazy. Like, this is how good this guy yeah. is at these events. Is he would have made finals and won medals in events, and he's training for 10 events. Yeah. Like, so when you talk about how tremendous this is, like, we talk about the other sports that happen, and we'll get into, like, Andre DeGrasse. What Damian Warner did is the most impressive thing I've seen at the Olympics. 100%. Not only to win the gold, but to do it in record fashion and everything. The craziest thing I saw is the Canadian men won bronze, which might be moved to silver in the relay. How is Damian Warner not one of our top four? Yeah, I don't know. He would have made the finals in the 100 meter. And maybe it's too much for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a lot of... <laughs> you're already doing 10 events. <laughs> I mean, then you're 11. But, like, that's a lot. But you just look at his time and you're like, man, that definitely could have pushed us closer yeah, to the goal. I mean, this guy's true. clearly one of the fastest four Canadians if he's one of the fastest eight in the world. Like, that's actually, is, that actually is pretty wild, though. Like... Like the, just like thinking about that 100 meter thing, it's like okay, this guy could have made the final, so therefore he's. That's a great point. Like he's top eight in the world on 100 meters. Yeah, he's top three. and and nine other sports. Yeah, I think he actually would have medaled in the running long jump too, or was close. He would have been in the finals for that too. <laughs> he would have got bronze in the 110 meter hurdles. Like this guy's not only he's a an Olympic athlete, at he's these, a stud. He's top three in the world at multiple events. And then the decathlon, he's the best in the world. This guy's gonna like just pull up to like Augusta with a golf like a like a like a golf bag and just whatever. Smash drives down the middle. He'd probably place like top thirty, take him a check. Like seriously. It's just crazy. And they were talking to his coach a bunch and he really was okay at track and picking it up in high school. And then once he got to college, he's like I'm not good enough to really make the Olympics in any event, which clearly he is now. We figured yeah, out that yeah, yeah. he could. Sure. But he's just so athletic and so good at everything. So that's when they picked up the decathlon. And it's just crazy looking now at his, all his training and 
man, this is, it's nuts. He is, I don't know, like, once I learned more and more about the decathlon, he's the greatest athlete in the world right now. Yeah. There's, I can't disagree with that. He runs faster. He jumps higher. He jumps further. Like, all he these throw, things. He throws spikes far. Yeah, like. He throws plates far. All these things we talk about, about, like, oh, you're the most incredible man in the world, like, jumping higher, jumping further, running faster. He's all these things. Yeah. He's one of the best in the world. Yep. All these things. Yep. Which makes him the greatest athlete. And it was impressive. And I was, I haven't paid that much attention to the decathlon, but this year was, I mean, you get a Canadian doing it and it's something else. So. Well, and, and, and talk about, I'll just transition out of that. I mean, shout out, honestly, though, like, Damian Warner is stud. Uh, we're going to call him a friend of the show. I mean, we should try to get him on. I, I mean, you know, he's busy, but he's from London. Like, we're, we're not far from there. Yeah, I mean, can we try and get all the London athletes? Because I think most of our gold medals were won by London, Ontario you know athletes. They probably aren't verified on Twitter. So maybe I'll slide in the DMs and see if I can find them. Um, but, like again, like shout out to Dane Warner. But even more important, just in terms of like, well, not impo- more important, but significant as well in Olympics is Andre de Grasse. Now, before I get, we get into Andre de Grasse and his biggest accomplishment, the one thing I lo- that I loved about this whole thing is this dude from Canada, from Toronto, Ontario. He's not quite from Toronto. He was Markham or wherever he's from. Uh, like This guy has meddled at every single 100-meter competition that he's been in internationally. That is wild. I mean, and, and what I loved about um, Rio 2016, he's racing against Usain Bolt in the 200-meter. And... You say I think this was a qualifier actually. It wasn't the finals, but Usain Bolt wins the race, obviously. Fastest man ever. I actually want to get into Usain Bolt and Tyreek Hill, by the way. Oh, I, bet, I think that would be funny. I want to get into that. But points at Andre de Grasse and kind of smiles after that race in Rio. Basically kind of saying, like, hey, you're the future kid, like go get it. And sure as shit if he doesn't go get a gold medal. Man, there's so many good things around this to grass, especially when you talk about the bolt thing. In the qualifying for the 200 meter, he looked to the side. So everyone's like, because during the last year, last Olympics race, Bolt kind of pointed at him. Yeah. And DeGrasse really wasn't looking. So this time DeGrasse was looking over at everyone. So everyone mocked up the pictures together and it looked yeah. pretty cool. And DeGrasse, or Bolt tweeted it out at yeah. him. And, but yeah, it's it's awesome to see. And the 200 meter, him doing and winning the gold was incredible. 100 meters, like, it's almost a disappointment that he didn't win gold. He won bronze. He said a personal best. He did, yeah. Which is still super impressive. It seemed disappointing because you're like, man, this guy should be the fastest in the world. And but he's, 100... not, he's not fast off the line. No, and it kills him in the 100 meter. 100%. Like 200 meter, like he's behind for the first 80, 90 meters. And then he gets to, like, he gets to that point where he just goes boom. Well, that's where you look at, you just look at the guy overall and you look at sprinters. Yeah. Here are these thick built guys DeGrasse isn't DeGrasse is pretty skinny so to even be able to do that at everything he's done and this is again another crazy story this guy in high school wasn't sprinting his one buddy he was going like practicing basketball his one buddy's like oh yeah I got track practice you want to tag along so DeGrasse goes he's wearing like high top Jordan shoes and he ends up running faster than everyone and the coach is like I think you should do this you know what's funny is he probably actually cut the friend he was like the friend brought him to track practice the coach was like hey by the way uh, you're done Hey, Andre, wanna, uh, you want to uh, come to, practice, to track practice? Let's do it, buddy. Come on. But yeah, like at the end of the day, this guy won a gold and two bronzes, and this guy's just killed at the Olympics. I believe now he, if he's not first, he's tied for first in all-time male athletes Olympic medals. Yeah. And that touches on 
we'll get to her, Penny Alexiak, who yep. actually set the record now yep. overall. But I believe DeGrasse now holds the record for most medals by Canadian male. Yeah. And to considering, like, swimming, you compete in up to, like, six events. Yep. He competes in three, which is still significant. Like, Pretty if you good. took a guy like Warner who competes in one, you're clearly going to win more medals if you're amazing at it, which DeGrasse is. But it's still super impressive. I mean, by the end of it, hopefully, with this doping scandal going on, he had a gold, a silver, and a bronze from this Olympics. As a sprinter. I, I haven't heard about the doping scandal, by the way. Yeah, so the team who won silver is up for debate. One of their guys tested positive. So that would move Canada into the silver medal. Oh. But it's up for debate right now. We tested positive, but they got to look more into it. So there's a chance Canada in the relay moves up to silver. So who is in fourth? I actually have no idea. I've lost count of that. that that's the one that I actually more like. I would care about that more because you got a team out of fourth. Like, ah, shit, you didn't get a medal. Considering that too, that depending on the country, like that can be huge. Um, I actually think that the relay, like you look at, okay, like sure. He won the gold in 200 meters. Yep. It was awesome. One bronze in the 100 meter. Cool. I actually think the bronze in the relay was his most impressive. He started his leg of the relay in fifth place. Yeah. And destroyed, like, everybody. Like, if, like seriously, if, if his guy was five tenths of a second, like, like if he was five, whatever, tenths of a second ahead, he would have won. Like, it was that close. Like, he just, put like, torched everybody. Well, that just touched on what you were touching on earlier. DeGrasse's starts are what kills him. In the real life, you're not really starting. For, you're not no, start, you're starting. Start, you're just running. Yeah, you're starting running. So this guy is at top pace. He's quicker. I mean, they he's got to be the fastest, honestly, in the world. I actually they had. Well, you saw the craziest stat out of all of it. DeGrasse's top speed in the 100 meter semifinals was faster than Connor McDavid oh, on skates. Yeah, I, I did see that. This guy runs faster than the fastest hockey player I've ever seen skates. Okay. The only thing that I will comment on that is they got spikes and it's it's track and I, I like I think that because people are like man he can run faster than McDavid can on skates and ice that's crazy I'm like okay let's like it's not like he's running on bare feet on grass either like it's like he's got equipment just just as much as, as McDavid does but all that aside. If you want to put it on par, I'm fine with that. But pretending you're an athlete or I'm an athlete, which that's questionable. But <laughs> if I try running 100 meters and I try skating 100 meters, it's not even close. No. I will skate and I will get to a higher speed. 100%. And it's not no, even close. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. So that's just the craziest point. Yeah. When you look at the top athletes in each thing and he's running faster. Yeah. It's it's an insane stat. Like I think, when, it's, a def- I think it, it's fair. It, it blew my mind when I heard that stat. And I mean, again, I just think... A gold, a silver, and a bronze looks way more impressive than a gold and two bronzes. I don't know why. It just looks way more impressive to me. Well, it's like having a, a, a family where you have, uh, you know, it's like the, 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 the American family. You got the mom, you got the dad, you got the son, you got the daughter. Or you could have two daughters and two sons. It's like people, like, there's only one all-American family. That's what it is, right? Whatever the reason. It just, it's just, it's aesthetically pleasing. That's all it is, right? And, uh, hey, I mean, I hope so. Get another silver tacked on there. I don't do we we don't we don't compensate athletes for medals, do we? I believe there's some sort of compensation, but it's not as some big. Like I was hearing some like Singapore, if somebody wins a gold medal from Singapore, it's a million dollars. What? Nobody'll ever win a gold medal. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, some of these smaller countries for their athletes who Who's have like funding that. For these athletes who have like four ath- or countries that have like four athletes per thing, they like fund them huge. And I think like Canada and the US, it's like I still think like a medal gets you like 10 grand, which is still amazing for these amateur athletes. Yeah. 
But when you hear some of these smaller countries, I think like a couple of the other ones who have like one athlete, if that athlete somehow wins gold, it's like a million dollars for them. I mean, it's not really going to happen. They're qualifiers, but they're not great. It's like when we talk about the golf and the Olympics, 60 people make it and like the U.S. gets four because they have so many people in the top 10. And it's just you get so many people from like India who aren't even in the top 200. So it's a little tough. Well, I, the, the one thing – so I want to get to Penny Alexiak first. Yeah. And then I want to get to uh, the athlete from the Philippines who who won a medal in um, in weightlifting. Penny Alexiak, go. I mean, what else is there to say? Like, Penny Alexiak is now the greatest Olympic athlete for Canada ever. Ever. She's got the most medals. No doubt about it. And she's only done – like, I know Cindy Clawson and stuff, they did multiple summer and winter Olympics. And she's done multiple Olympics. And it looks like, from the sounds of it, she's got one more. And just everything. I love how cocky she is, too. I don't know if you've seen her tweets, but, like, she knows she's the best. And she knows she's the best in Canada, which is just crazy to see and so fun. But I love seeing some of the stuff from her. Like, uh, she loved that she finally broke the record in the relay. She's like, it wouldn't feel the same doing it by myself. It's way better doing this as a team. Like, I got the three girls who have been in Swimming Canada with me. It's just way more fun doing anything as a team. And I think that's something you don't appreciate as much for a lot of these sports, the athletics and everything. They're, they're not as fun. Like I sure Damian Warner, yeah. he, he loves winning gold. Yeah. But I feel like it's something different when you're around a team sure. and you get to celebrate it and stuff like that. But I just love, like I'm looking at Penny Alexiak's Twitter right now. And the next day after she won that last medal and set the record, she's just tweets out. I just Googled Canada's most decorated Olympian. Guess I should, or like, and just super cocky about it. And just some of her other stuff, like, she doesn't care. And she called out, like, an old teacher who said, This swimming thing's never going to work. Yeah. So her actual tweet was, I just Googled Canada's most decorated Olympian and my name came up. I want to thank that teacher in high school who told me to stop swinging to focus on school because swimming wouldn't get me anywhere. This is what dreams are made of. And she got asked, like, who this teacher is. And she's like, I'm not going to say. Yeah. I just wanted to make a point. Like, she's like, Yeah, it, she didn't want to say she was cocky, but clearly she is a little cocky. Oh, sure she is. You win that many Olympic medals? Yeah. You could be cocky. You do whatever you want. But she's also trying to tell young girls, young people, your dreams are worth living. Yeah. Like, if you have a dream and you're successful at it, keep pushing. Don't say, like, one teacher says, like, give up on it. No, don't. So what you're saying, though, is so that I still have, I can still be a PGA pro. I should not give up on my dream. You should not give up on your dream, but you should have a backup plan. <laughs> I should not quit my day job to become no. a PGA pro. I would just like to comment as well. Last, uh, sorry, two weeks ago on the pod, I talked about some of this stuff. But one of the nice things is, is like just talking about Olympics again is is that when you're here, it provides that different perspective, and and that's what I love, right? I mean, as I said, like I, I've talked about some of this. I think I mentioned Penny Alexiak and the teacher, but again, it's nice to have. And this is why we love the Turf King on the show. This is why it sucks doing it alone. It's way better when you're here because you provide that different side of perspective or stuff that we can agree on. So I know that I'm not just whatever, do my own thing and, you know, kind of fucking off by myself and whatever. That's why, like I said, I missed you. Missed you on the pod. It's beauty. So just to wrap up our Olympic coverage, I just basically wanted to ask, because I've heard lots of differing opinions on it, who is your flag bearer? Like, we got Penny Alexiak, we have Christine Sinclair, we have Steph Labe, we have DeGrasse, we have all these amazing stories. We have Damian Warner. If it was up to you and you got to choose only, who would be your flag bearer? So I wrestled with it because there... <sighs> There, there's so many different impressive feats, right? I mean, that's the Olympics in general. It's a feat of strength. It's a feat of speed. It's a feat of whatever. 
Um, for me, and Damian Warren ended up being the flag bearer. Um, decathlon, best athlete in the world. I understand the pick. I believe that this is, and I don't know if it's his la- Damian Warren's last Olympics. I don't know for sure. It might be. Um, Christine Sinclair was would have been my pick, personally. Um, because, she, like, I, I just look at it and say, like, the influence that she will have had in Canada and the time and the effort and the success that she's had, I think that that's not, that, that would have been a nice send-off for her. She will not be playing in 2024. Have you heard her speak? She's thinking she's going to continue to play for Canada. Stop it. She's not. And if she is, I I mean, this is not me saying I think she should quit. It's just, like, she went out of the game in the gold medal game for regulation. She does not have the gas in the tank to play the same as she did. And and I don't think that's a knock on her. It's just the age that she's at, like, you got to under, like, and I, the coach is very, you know, my, my dad actually was one of the people like, we were watching a little bit. And he's like, why would you pull her out? I'm like, dad, she's old. She did. Well, old quote unquote, but like old for the sport. She doesn't have the same gas. Like, why would you leave her in? He's like, well, she's their best player. I'm like, yeah, but like, you're not going to leave Connor McDavid out for an eight minute shift. He's their best player on the ice, but you're, you seriously, you're not leaving him out for eight minutes. Yeah, and I, I understand the argument towards Christine Sinclair, for sure. For everything she's done for yes. the program, for everything she's done for the Olympics, for Canada. But she isn't even the best player for Canada anymore. Is True. She the, is she the best all-time? Easily. Is she arguably the best women's soccer player of all time? Easily. But to me, Christine Sinclair, is it's not based on this Olympics that she'd be the flag bearer. It's based on everything she's done for soccer Canada. Yes, yes 100%. So like, for me... Like I, I wrestle with this a bit, but for me, it's still Damian Warner. You look at Penny Alexiak, again, one of the most decorated Canadian Olympian ever. Christine Sinclair, everything she's done for women's soccer, for the Olympics, finally winning the gold. It's an amazing story. But for me, the flag bearer needs to be this Olympics. And who was the most impressive athlete Canada had at this Olympics? To me, it was Damian Warner. And so that was my choice, and that's who ended up getting it. And I... Get why? Do I agree there should there could be an argument for four or five athletes? And is this a great problem to have? Yes, it's it's an amazing problem. We to suck. Have. We do not. We are not good at summer Olympics. We're not. No, we, we are, still we, finished like twelfth overall. We are good at Winter Olympics, and we're still not the best. But we're good. We're much better at Winter Olympics because we live in a country where there's snow a lot. We are not good at summer Olympics. But yeah, as you said, it's a twelfth, right? Eleventh or twelfth, somewhere 12th, around there. Whatever. Yeah. We're, you know, you're close to the top 10 and we are not the biggest country compared to the other guys. Well, population wise. Yeah. We are not, we, we, we do not have the most athletes who compete in these kinds of sports. And yet we show up on the biggest stage and obviously work, the, the athletes work their ass off. And I, I can't, I, I, I can't make an argument against anybody as a flag bearer. I think that's the point I'm trying yeah. to make. I personally would have picked Sinclair, as I said, just because of contributions to to Canadian sports and to Canadian women, especially um, girls. And I just I just think that that made sense to me. But I can't argue that Damian Warner wasn't the right pick because he's the best, best Canadian summer Olympics athlete. He just is. I mean, there's no doubt. Yeah. The 2020, uh, that's, that's still another question mark because they still wanted to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, uh, that, that was just lazy. It was so weird watching it on TV. I'm like, am I watching this? Like, did they actually do this a year ago? And I'm just like, yeah, like what, what in happened? a matrix? Like, what is this? 
That's the only argument I have is the best athlete for Canada at the 2020 Olympics was Damian Warner. Yes. I can't disagree with that. That's that's my only opinion. If we're just going based on the 2020 Olympics, in my opinion, it needed to be Damian Warner. And that's where DeGrasse, Alexiak, Sinclair, there's arguments for them to be said because everything they've done for Canada, the Olympics, everything else, they deserve their time in the spotlight and they'll get it. They're amazing athletes in Canada, and I mean, I don't think they're buying a drink at any bar in Canada anytime soon. Not especially not Penny Alexia. She's more famous than her brother, who plays in the NHL. Now yeah. she doesn't get paid as much. Well, actually, I don't know that. Yeah, she's making quite a few for sponsorships, but still, that much money probably not. But you've heard you've heard the great quote. Still, was like, I've heard it, but say it again. So the Dallas Stars, they were kind of bugging, and uh, Jamie Alexiak, who plays, and I think he's now he's actually uh, with the new Seattle Kraken now. But he was getting bogged, and they're like, oh, yeah, your sister won, like, the Lou Marsh Award. What's that? And he's like, oh, it's the best Canadian athlete. He's like, yeah, she actually won it over that guy as he pointed to Sidney Crosby. <laughs> and I was like, wait, she won an award over Sidney Crosby? Oh, yeah. Like, that's how big Penny Laxiak is Canada. So, at the end of the day, they're all amazing athletes. I mean, any Olympian who competed for Canada, you're an incredible athlete. To be able to make the Olympics... Shout out. Uh, is, ...is an incredible feat, and that's why I'm happy they still went on, because... These Olympians work so hard for every four years to do it and to be able to do it and compete on the highest stage is incredible. Whether you want a medal or not, sure, we're going to remember the people who won gold medals and medal, multiple medals way more, but being an Olympian is an incredible thing and that's kind of my wrap up on the Olympics. And you can't take that away from anybody. And I think that, um, again, I, I don't want to go too much in the Olympics. We got a lot to cover, but, um, you know, the, which golfer was it? Was it Justin Thomas? I don't remember who it was. Um, or, may, or it might have been Rory. I don't remember who the the Olympian was, but they basically it was golf related. They basically said like, "I'm an Olympian. You can never take that away from me." And it's not something that I figured that I wanted, but now that I have it, I'm happy that I'm happy of that. Like I am glad, and I will, you know, strive to to be in the Olympics later on because I, I think it was Justin Thomas. I don't know for sure. I believe it was Rory said something along that road too. The first time he made the Olympics. It was difficult for him because he's not competing for his actual country. He's competing for Ireland. He's Northern Ireland, yeah, Ireland which is, where is part he's of from. the UK. So it's kind of a it's kind of an awkward thing. But he still competes for Ireland instead of uh, the UK. Yeah, which is where he grew up playing golf. And it was awkward for him the first time. He's like, I don't really know if I want to do the Olympics. I don't understand it. It hasn't been something big in golf. But this time doing it, the second time, he's like, it's unbelievably Olympian, and I want to do it again. Like it's just such a great. Yeah, factor and you see so many guys pull out and once they get the experience and I mean the golfers have been unfortunate the two Olympics that the golf's been back in were Rio so you had the Zika virus which everyone was scared of so there was not a lot of fans especially at the golf and then you had COVID so they even got the full Olympic experience yet but you see guys love it and that's like even touching on Xander his dad was supposed to be an Olympian and then there was a tragic accident and he wasn't so for Xander to go to the Olympics finally and live out his dad's dream and not only live out his dad's dream, win gold for the U.S. Like, I, I have a tough time ever cheering for an American. But to see Xander win the gold and how much it means to him means a lot. Plus, he's my boy. I've been touting Xander on this show forever. I'm like, I'm like Xander Shoffley, top five. You know it. I talked about this two weeks ago. You listened to it because you you weren't on it, but you listened to it. I talked like, and I and I gave you the Rory quotes. I gave all this stuff. Um, but anyway, we digress. We got to get off the Olympics. We got like we're like 35 minutes into this thing and. This is what happens when we're live. It just flows, eh? Like, yeah. there's no, like, staring across the screen. You're just, like, legit chatting. Um, 
Did you need a beer? Like, are you, what, what's you want? You, yeah, you yeah. I mean, more. I mean, you're never. I'm never gonna say a no right. to a beer at Burke's right, Bar. Let me get it out of the fridge. One sec. Oh, hold on. Oh, you, want, you want a twisty or a beer? I'm all good with anything. All right, here's a beer. There you go. Little Moosehead. Shout out to my Moosehead sign. Shout out to Burke's Bar. Crack it on over six. Let's go. There it is. Love to hear it. All right, what do we got next? So, how much I love the Olympics. We got to move into the Jays, and I mean. Every time you get excited about the Jays, they let you down. And Every time. George Springer, healthy, has been George Springer. Everything and more of what we paid for this contract. This crazy contract they signed him to. He's been everything and more when healthy. But he's, he's so good. But now he's injured again. And he's a knee, a knee sprain. And he's last year with Bichette, it was four to five weeks. And it was really six to seven weeks before he was good. This is Springer's second decent injury and now the first year of a five-year contract. And Springer's not young. He's not old. No. But this is like, if this is what it's going to be for five years, Springer gets healthy for a few weeks, is absolutely incredible. He looks like everything and more you wanted. And then he gets injured and just kills me, the momentum of the Jays. Let me ask you this question. Who, if you had to pick one to play for your respective team right now, this is kind of jumping topics a little bit. Would you rather George Springer on the Jays or Saquon Barkley on the Giants. One of them has like if, if those are your teams, you got to ride or die with one of those guys. Who are you riding with? That's a tough one. I mean, I feel like the Jays have more around him because I mean, you get... I'm not talking around him. I'm just I'm just saying like like injury thing because you're talking about how Springer's injured in the first year of a five year contract, and I'm talking about like and, and Saquon has been here two years in a row. To me, so yeah, no, to me it's got to be Springer because you've seen what running backs happen in the NFL. I'm not going to put my money in on a running back who's been injured and coming back. I know everyone just compares Saquon to AP and how he came back and was incredible. Adrian Peterson isn't your average NFL or even above average. He's not your like your Pro Bowl. He's once in a generation. Like really, Saqu- or Adrian Peterson is. We haven't seen many guys like him. Yep. And but he still got dusted too. Like this guy, like uh, fantasy four years ago, AP was like. The guy. But, yeah, AP came back from a massive injury and was still incredible in fantasy. Saquon hasn't came back now, and he just keeps getting injured. So Tell me about Saquon. Did you draft him last year? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) I had to bring it up. I got got the third overall pick now, so you don't have any worries about Saquon Barkley getting picked by me. So, (laughs) I I mean, if he's around it, what, we got 10. Who are you more mad at, Cortland Sutton or uh, Saquon? Saquon. Portland Sutton and Saquon Barkley will not be on my team this year. <laughs> okay, what if Barkley is like in the third round? You take him? Oh, I'll take him in the second round. As a third overall pick in a 10 team, if he's around at my second round pick, I'm taking Saquon Barkley. All right. Back at topic, Jays, Springer. Um, here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> the, the Jays are screwed. They're not good enough to make playoffs. I'm sorry, they're not. I, I they, Their offense is amazing. And they're going to lose Simeon this offseason. There's no doubt. I mean, unless they pull a rabbit out of the hat and get him on board. Um, I think the encouraging thing with the Jays is this year is that the management is ha, has now proven that they're not afraid to spend money. Previous years, they've been afraid to spend money. They're not afraid to spend money. and they're not. A, they traded two top 100 prospects yeah. to get Berrios because Berrios isn't here for just this year. He's here next year. Yes. And he looks incredible. He looks everything you asked for so far. Even tonight, two earned runs against him. He was good. Brad Hand sucked again, yeah. and I don't know why the fuck they brought him in, but Berrios is everything you expected. And Way to go, Brad. 
I mean, they still have 10 games against the Orioles. And the Orioles are the worst team in the AL. Yeah, but they've lost two in a row to the Nats. Yeah, the Nats aren't good. But So there is some hope, but Springer's the worried. The Yankees, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. The, the Yankees are too good. They, they, they're too good. Look at the guys they've brought in. Like, look at the standings right now. You're telling, and the Yankees don't lose. Every time the Jays are like, oh, man, they're, they're on a run. Like, they beat the Red Sox 3 or 4. Um, you know, they took, they took, they, then they lay an egg against the Mariners. Then they lay an egg against the Nationals. What's the spread right now? Yeah, I mean, the Rays are way ahead of everybody. Well, I know division. that. We're talking wild card. There's no chance of division. Division's gone. Yeah, the wild card, they're only four and a half back, and they play Baltimore 10 times. Baltimore is the worst team in the AL. The problem is, is that the Jays have. I think I, I saw I saw the line come out. They have like the third easiest schedule coming down the stretch. But you know who's the fourth easiest schedule? The Yankees. And and I just I mean unless they absolutely implode, I don't see it happening. And not only that, like you want to say like uh, you know some of the notes that we have here is like do the Jays have any chance in the playoffs? Um, not only do I think that they aren't going to make the playoffs, and I'm not trying to be pessimistic. Like I want them to su- succeed. But I like I thought this last year when when Bichette and Biggio and Guerrero and Guerrero wasn't that good last year and this year he's, he's an All Star and a stud and in an MVP conversation he's not going to win um, but like I I don't think this is their year and I think next next year is their year like that's when the window is gaping and I and there's been multiple reports saying like Jay's management this off season it is going to be. Like, they are going to be picking up everybody they absolutely can. I firmly believe that Rodgers and Bell, are, they're, they're going to be like, green light, get whoever you want, let's get this dub. Because next season, there will be fans in the building all year. No doubt in my mind. There, that place will be packed all year long. And Rodgers and Bell and MLSE and whatever, all the owners there, they are going to want to put the best product on the field they possibly can next year. Barrios locked up for next year. Springer, um, Guerrero, Biggio, Bichette. Uh, Simeon's not on there. If they re-sign him, great. But they're gonna they will they will replace that spot. They they absolutely will. I think I honestly do think Cam next year is gonna be their best year. No, next no year doubt. next year is their window. The only reason I have optimism here is here's the playoff team's differential. And this is a huge stat. Tampa Bay, 130 runs plus. Houston, 162. Chicago, 138. Then you look at the other, the NL, 147 for San Fran, Milwaukee, 115, Atlanta's already down to 84. Then you look at the wildcard teams, LA is a different story, Dodgers are 195, San Diego, 85. Then you look at the AL and the teams competing for the wildcard, Oakland, plus 70, New York, plus 24, Boston, plus 55, Seattle, minus 45. They're somehow ahead of the Jays. Here's where the Jays come in, plus 121. The run differential doesn't make sense. They shouldn't have lost as many games as they have. Yeah, but why have they? Their bullpen sucks. Because their bullpen sucks. But like, the, and you, that's you're not gonna get. You are not gonna have playoff success with the bullpen they have. There's no doubt. No, but my even only, if they make it, Cam. Even if they make it, they're gonna get toasted. You don't think? No, I don't agree. The only reason is one in playoff time, the bullpens get way smaller, and your starters on one day rest go to the bullpen. If you look at the teams who are they're competing with. Like Boston, Seattle, Yankees, Athletics. Their lineup's better. Yes. What? No, their lineup's better. Batting-wise? Yeah. No way. Oh, yeah. I don't believe that at all. Yeah. It's you, not... think, you think the Yankees have a better, like, 1-9 to nine than the Jays do batting? The Jays are the best. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the Jays have the best batting. Yeah. 
out of all those five teams competing for the wild card. That's the what Jays, I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're, we're agreeing. Yes. Okay. The Jays have the best okay, yes. batting order. Their rotation is actually better than all these other teams. If you start to look at their rotation, Robbie Ray has been unbelievable. Man, that man has a tight booty, by the way. <laughs> Barry, you, I'm sorry. I got to go back. Have you seen yes. this dude's pants? He's standing like... The, I feel, honestly, the camera zooms in on that ass like more than anybody in the MLB by far. I actually think they need to get Robbie Ray different pants so that, like, legit, like, Bichette standing on uh, at short, like, looking at this guy's butt on the and I think, man, I wish I had a butt that nice. So there is so many women that actually talk about, like, baseball pants help accentuate the ass, <laughs> and they love watching baseball players' asses. I mean, I don't know if you're looking at, like, a Prince Fielder or a Bartolo Colon. Oh, man. Those but are a Robbie Ray, I guess, you, <laughs> I guess I could see it. Those are big, yeah. A Bartolo Colon booty on the mound—that is—that is significant. That is, that is, that is like that's got its own orbit. Like you throw a ball back to Colon and it misses. He misses the ball. It goes zoom around his midsection. He's got a freaking orbit on that ass. You look at this rotation. Just getting back to that, Robbie Ray is unbelievable this year. Yep. Hunjin Ryu is still really good. Oh, he's a stud. Barrios is unbelievable. Good. Alec Manoa. It's incredible this season. He had one bad start last one, but he's been incredible. He's setting Jay's records for young pitchers. Yeah. Through their, and then even you look like we're having an argument now on who the last, their fifth rotation. Who thought that Jay's would be having an argument who's five? The other positive I have is Nate Pearson. If he comes back healthy and can pitch in that bullpen, he'd be huge. But he has to come back soon then. Yeah. But like, like, I, I, when I say soon, I'm not talking like how many games are left? Like what, what are we at here? I can't do the math quickly. 63 plus 56 is 63 plus 56 is one... uh, There's still like 40-something games. 121. So there's 41 games left. So, like, 41 games seems like a lot. You have to make a four and a half. So it's not insurmountable. But it's not... Like, this is not easy to do. Legitimately, they have to win 75% of their games on the stretch or they're toast. And, like, I'm not... I, I want to see them win. I do. I, I mean, the t- 2015 was amazing. I mean, that's really when I started. Not that that was the year, but I think the year before. Like, I really started watching 2014. 2015 accentuated. 2016 was even better. Um, but I, I just, I, I look at it and I'm like, f- j- just from an optics perspective, I'm like, man, like if you're losing these shitty games, like one to nine, they are better than anybody in the AL. I have no doubt about it. They put they they put up runs like nobody else. I'm not talking defense. I'm talking batting. They put up they put up runs like nobody else in the league. Yeah, I mean, arguably they. I mean, the Rays and the Astros still put up way more runs than they do. Well, the Astros are still banging garbage cans. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. But again, like the reasons I have optimism is you look at it. 90 wins should get you a wild card spot. That's actually only a 68% winning percentage from here on out. Yeah, you only have to win 27 of 41 games. So you got to win basically three or four. It's pretty close. So if you win every series, you should make the playoffs. Well, we're losing one against Washington. Yeah, I mean, but every series from now on. If you win 10 against the Orioles, if you win all 10 or 9 of 10 versus the Orioles, I will change my opinion. But that's where, like, you win 8 of 10 against the Orioles. That's 80%. So all you're having to do against the other teams is go, like, 500? Like 2 and 3. Yeah. 2 out of 3. Or even less. Like, I know you play a three-game series mainly, but that's where I'm, like, doing the math. It's still a plausibility. And to me, they're the best team out of these wildcard teams. The run differential proves it. A lot of the other stats prove it. Their bullpen just gives up bad runs at the wrong time. And Brad Hand proved it again tonight. He's not good enough. So, 
I just want to go back to, we talked about this at the beginning of the year. Go back to our old pods. That's why I love recording this because we talked and basically said, um, you know, the Jays don't have, like, you have to start good, get to the trade deadline, and it'll be hot. And they have been. All, all honesty. Like, against the Red Sox, they were amazing. They were like, Back at the Rogers Center, they were eight, like, what were they nine of ten, eight of ten, or whatever. The, well, that's that's all we're figuring out is they just need to go back to the Rogers Center. Yeah, this road trip. This is road trip is killing garbage. garbage. So let's get back to the Rogers Center. Like, let's get, get some back fans. to the turf. Like seriously, like it's unbelievable. But we said this. He's like, get to the trade deadline, make the moves you got to make, and get hot going towards the end. And and sometimes that's again, this is like the NHL, the the teams that win the Stanley Cup. Yes, you have the Tampas, who are the best team in the league, and they're 18 mil over the cap. Whatever. Um, and then you get teams like LA, who are the eighth seed. They get down 3-0 in a series. They get hot, and then they run. The Habs is a great example. The Habs, if it, like any other year, the Habs aren't making the playoffs. They make the playoffs this year. Carey Price gets hot. The team gels together, and they go to the Cup final. That is a possibility for the Jays. They just have they just have to get it done. And I like percentage wise, I, again, I hate to be the pessimist. You can be the optimist. I'll be the pessimist because when one of us is going to be right, and that makes it for an interesting pot. Twenty five percent chance the Jays make the playoffs this year. I think I think more than likely they are not going to make the playoffs. Twenty five percent chance they do. I think there's a one in four chance. And the only way they're going to make it is that they get, so Nate Pearson comes back, they get that sort of bullpen help, and that's it. Because they're getting the pitching, they're getting the runs, their bullpen is shit. If they can't figure out their bullpen, they're toast. No doubt about it. Period. And a sentence and a story, in my opinion. Yeah. The, the last comment I'll kind of make on this is, again, 68 winning percentage is high. I mean, a team that makes the playoffs with 90 wins, that's only like 56%. So they still have to be above average. In 2016, when the Jays went on that run after they got too, too low, they went on a 73% after the trade deadline. Woo! So we've seen it with the Jays in the last, what, six years? They can do it again. This team is, in my opinion, better than that team. Yeah, I, that was the one thing, actually. So Bo, Bodog tweeted, I think it was, was Bodog, tweeted out a photo. It was like, first thing that comes to mind when you see this squad, and it was uh, David Price, Josh Donaldson, uh, Tulowitzki, uh, Russ um, Martin, Russ Martin, and my, and my my tweet at it not good enough. And there's people who are saying like legendary, awesome, blah blah blah. And I'm like not good enough. You know what they came home with? Shit all. You know what we got out of that? An awesome bat flip and a great ALDS game. That's what we got out of that. We got nothing else. The, you know what the Jays got out of that? Renewed fan base. That's what they got. I, that would have been my other comment. Renewed fan base. Did they did they help the Jays fan base? 100%. Were they good enough? No. Is this team better? Hell yeah. And not only do you want to know the real reason why they're better? They're younger. They have guys on longer contracts. They don't have like old ass guys who are not going to be playing in however many years. Like they actually are much better prepared. Going back to my point that next year, in my opinion, is the biggest wide open window they've had since 1991 next year's the year you like this is what i was saying about the leafs this year the jays is different their window was more wide open they don't have these cap issues they have a better core the half the the jays 
are way better positioned for this one, two, three-year futures than any other team right now. Am I, and I don't know a lot about other people's systems. I mean, the Dodgers are unbelievable. But just in terms of like Toronto sports teams or any sports teams that we cover, the Jays are 100%. Raps, Leafs, TFC, Argos, whatever. Uh, but out of, out of those main Toronto teams, the Jays are by far the closest to a championship than any of those other teams. I don't think it's going to be this year. Next year to me is the year. No, I agree. Next year's their really wide open window and they're set for next year, but I'm not giving up on this year. You look at some of the numbers and the stats and you run them through and it's not likely. I'm not saying it's like, I'm not saying 80% chance they have making it, but there's still a chance. And this team is good enough to go on that big of a run. They got the pitching to do it. And you look at like come playoffs, they have four legit starters. You only need three. Yeah. So one of these arms can go to the pen. When do you do that though? Would you like, if you're in like the race and you're going down the stretch here, like at what point are you sending like Barrios to the, to the pen? I mean, it's probably, if, if you're, if you're looking at it, it's probably going to be Manoa or Manoa to the pen, whatever. But I mean, you need four starters to get you to the end of the season. Okay. Then it goes down to three. I mean, if you get number five right now, I actually don't know. They've kind of gone back and forth. Stripling's really been it, but they got uh, one other guy who's been there, but it's Steven Mass has been there or Stripling and it's gone back and forth. And they've both been really serviceable fives. Like, really good fives. They could arguably be fours. Right. But you just look at that. So, if they can get close, they can do it. And I think they're good enough, but we'll see. All right. Move on. We got to move on. We have, like, two more topics left, and we're at 53 minutes. But this is good. Again, we actually should record in person more often because it's actually really fun. Um, And that's the thing. It's like, this might be a longer pod, but we've had two weeks off. So we're just making up for last this week. This is true. You add last week's pod and this week's pod together, we'll fit it in that time. Like, exactly. We'll fit it in three hours. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, we should. I mean, you honestly, like, I mean, hopefully you could literally watch the the, the Avengers uh, Endgame movie before this pod's over. Um, but hey, I mean, like, it's, you know what? As you, I, you're right. We, we haven't really had a full pod in a couple weeks. We're just going to keep rolling. Yeah, this next news, we actually were together when we heard it. We were. We were on the golf course. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing news. Masai Ujiri is staying in Toronto. He is. This was the scariest thing about the Raptors yeah. this offseason. And it even scared me more when they went off the board in the draft. Uh-huh. There was a four-person draft. You had Cade Cunningham. You had both Jalens. It was a four-person draft. And the Raptors lucked out to getting the fourth overall pick and chose Scotty Barnes. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Masai's not signed long-term. I don't know if Masai's going to be there to trust in. We just went off the board in a four-person draft. Like, what's going on? But Masai stays. And here's the thing that I think I'm an idiot for. As soon as I saw that pick, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I should have clued in at that time that Masai staying. Because if if Masai wasn't staying, they were not selecting Scotty Barnes. No, MLSE better not have let them select Scotty Barnes. If he's not staying. Because you're like, are we really going to let a new... Bobby Webster was not going to select Scotty Barnes. Bobby Webster would have selected Suggs. Yeah. No doubt. And nobody would have questioned him. No, but but the difference is is that Masai Ujiri has a history of going off the board. And he's been successful. The Raptors won the championship in 2019. You think that that's just because Bobby Webster is doing his thing? Like, no, it's, 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 Masai Ujiri is the mastermind behind this whole thing. I know, I'm looking at the Raptors play. Again, shout out to Dave. But, but like, seriously, like, that pick, I should have noticed. As a sports fan, I should have been like, man, Masai Sting. That is a Masai Ujiri pick. And I didn't, I didn't clue in. So all this anxiety can was for nothing. In 2019, 
DeMar DeRozan was, at that time, the greatest Raptor. Yes. When he got traded, everyone had him as the greatest Raptor. And Masai Ujiri wasn't scared to trade him. And it nope. resulted in a championship. Yep. So choosing Scotty Barnes, who was going to be the fifth overall pick. Everyone yep. had him as the fifth best player, but there was a clearly a top four. For Masai to take him at four, now I'm like, you know what? We got to believe in Masai. He's done it once. He's How can we not trust him now? No, you got to. He's blown the franchise away and the fan base by trading their favorite player. And how well loved is he, though, in Toronto, too? Oh, yeah. And Masai's like, you heard him talking today, and he's like, they're like, oh, so how long are you staying in Toronto? He's like, this is home. This is forever. This is this is it. Like I mean, all all things considered, too. Like, like the 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 Knicks were recruiting him. Like, um, like they, like this guy had the choice to go anywhere he wanted, any ownership in any NBA spot, not just the NBA, even. Like this guy could have legitimately gone to like Manchester United. Like I mean, he he is that good of an executive that any franchise, major franchise in the entire world would have taken him. No, no doubt. And they've and they basically gave him the keys to the entire Raptors organization now. As they should. That was a part of this deal. And he's more than just their president. He's literally overseeing everything to do with basketball in MLSE. As they as and, he and, should. And that's and that's like I was jokingly saying they should give him a piece of MLSE. Like, let's overlook the no Leafs. No kidding. But I mean, you watch the Leafs in the playoffs and you're like, ah, could it hurt? How much do you want to bet if Messiah Jury took over the Leafs? And I I I don't I'm sure that Messiah Jury's watched a hockey game. He has to have. I I don't know if he knows a lot about it. Give if could you imagine if you gave if like, like you you basically said okay Masai. The Raptors win the championship in twenty twenty three. MLSC comes to Masai Ujiri and says hey, let's let's take a year off, let's watch some hockey, come work your magic. I would bet you any money the Leafs win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Like he's that good of an exec. I actually, I firmly believe. I'm not kidding when I'm saying like there was European soccer teams that were interested. Like, like this guy is just he's that um, he's that big of a figure as a as a as an executive. Like I, I would <laughs> be wild. And and you're right. Like he's at the city. I mean, maybe that's what they had to do to keep him around. I don't. I don't believe that. I actually do think that like. You know, for some executives that, yeah, okay, money is everything. I don't believe that for him. If you look at all the organizations he's done, his Giants of Africa, that kind of stuff, I think that he wants a platform. Well, and that was a big part of it, too, is they were letting him free range with his Giants of Africa. He can bring it in any way he wants with the Raptors organization. And I think that's part MLSE and that's part him, is they both realize it's a great cause. And if they can work together to do it, it's good publicity for everybody. Well, not only that, too, but, like, you talk about good cause. Like... So, somehow it's selfish because you think that Masai Ujiri who's running Giants of Africa great cause you're getting as we said you're getting got you know kids playing basketball you don't think that this guy is grooming basketball players you don't think that there's guys that he's getting extra scouting on because he's involved in this you're delusional like he he's got his foot in the door of some amazing amazing basketball players Serge Ibaka comes to mind Giannis, Giannis, like you know what you know what I mean? Like the, they're like he is de- he is one hundred percent foot in the door there. His heart one hundred percent is to grow the game of basketball, and I think it's in, in, in grow the game of basketball in Africa and and his his home and do all this kind of stuff. You don't think the Raptors are going to benefit from that? As as a, as an ownership team, you're like, dude, you won us a championship in twenty nineteen and we were irrelevant. 
The Raptors were irrelevant prior to 2019. The Raptors are, were in the same situation as the Leafs. They were perennial, really good regular season teams who could Horrible not win. in playoffs. Who could not win. Horrible. So that's where, like, I, I love to jokingly be like, if MLSE, after, if the Raps can win another championship or do really successful, do they bring in, like, Scotty Bowman or something and be like, Masai, Scotty, sit down. Let's figure out the Leafs. Like, on. bring in somebody for a couple of years. Like, Masai, we're going we're to we're teach you on hockey and then figure it out for the Leafs. we got to bring in, like, Christine Sinclair for the Leafs. Like, just, I mean, I know she she lost a lot, too, but, like, she ended up getting it done. Like, I don't know. But, anyway, yeah. like, just, just one of my, those. Yeah, my last, my last topic on the Raptors is it, it's, I mean, it's official, but we already knew it. Masai, MLSE, everyone's come together and said, Kyle Lowry's number is going to be in the rafters. The day he retires, he's signing a one-day contract. Yep. His number's going in the rafters. Masai was just talking during his presser, like, Kyle's the greatest Raptor there will ever be. And these are all great things to see. It sucks that Kyle's gone. And I mean, and we least, talked about, and we talked about that two weeks ago on the pod. Like that's what well, I talked it's, about. It, it's now just adding to it. Like yep. everyone's Masai's now said it now that he's checked on board again. And it's going to be awesome to see. I know they're dealing with all this conflict and stuff about tampering. And, oh, that's such bullshit. I'm sorry. Like they're like, Oh, like the Raptors and the, the, the Miami heat were involved in Tampa. Dude, Steve Ballmer stalked Kawhi Leonard for a year. Well, you heard, you heard, well, I don't know if you he heard. He went to every, he like, legitimately, there was a Clippers person at every Raptors game. That's not tampering? Masai, Masai literally came out today during his thing, and they were bugging him about it, and he's like, I kind of got one comment to say. He's like, isn't it kind of silly that every deal comes out at 6.01 when the deadline's 6 o'clock? Yeah. You don't think there's tampering? Last, that's my only comment. Yeah, it's, like, it's garbage. How does every deal come in right at the last second? You cannot call an agent and figure out a deal in 60 seconds. No. So you know there's tampering. So, like, sure, there probably was here. Because Kyle wanted to do good for the Raptors. He was like, let's do a sign and trade so you guys get something for me. The Heat are still happy. It works out salaries better, too. Because in the NBA, you have to trade salaries that at least semi-match. Yeah. So it works out better for everybody. So, of course, around a deal like this, there is tampering. Everyone knows it. It happens every time. What's the big deal? It's, it's not. There's not. But it's, a, it's a nothing. If this is the Lakers, guess what? Nothing happens. If this but is I mean, the they're, they're looking at an Alonzo Ball too over there. So. Ah, such fucking bullshit. But it's fucking... Why would you have these tampering laws anyway? Like, seriously. It, it's it's legitimately just... It's it's window dressing. It's like, oh, we're a league that we take our rules serious. No, you fucking don't. You, you know all this garbage is going on. And I guarantee you... That Adam and it's not it's probably not even Adam Silver. It's whoever's the fucking deputy commission. She's like, I gotta earn my money. I don't wanna be an out like I don't wanna like, get fired. I gotta do something. And I'm just gonna invest I'm gonna investigate and no one's gonna get fine draft picks. If somebody gets fine draft picks here, then the rest of the league is fucked in terms of negotiating. It will change the, the scope of investigating for the rest of the NBA. No doubt about it. No, and I actually think it kills. Like, if they actually get in all this tampering, it kills any shows or anything for free agency. Because if you just had it where you actually cannot, and we're going to hammer you with fines and draft picks if there's deals made beforehand. Nothing will happen then. Nothing will happen the day of. Because teams can't start talking until 5 o'clock Eastern. Oh, it's so dumb. So then nothing's going to come out till the next day. Because who the fuck wants to talk about that? Nobody. It, it makes no sense. Anyway... Anyway, Raptors. I agree. Yeah, the last, like, I'm just happy to see every time I look that everyone's just adding to the Kyle Lowry. Like, I'm going to attempt to buy a ticket. I know it's going to go way out of my price range for the day that that number seven's in the Raptors. I want to be at that game so badly. 
Tickets are beyond my price range. I'll be honest, but I hey, want to if attempt this to be there. If blows up, we might get press passes. Now that would be something. Yeah, can we be media out of Toronto Raptors? Shout team? out Kyle Lowry. We're just yeah, more get important. you on the Over Six Sports podcast and just hook us up with a couple ticks. And uh, I mean, yeah, we'll pump your tires. That's fine. What do you yeah. want? We got charity. You want us to shout out? We got you. Our uh, our fifty listeners are gonna. We'll support you, no doubt. Right. So, I mean, we got to move on. The NBA is fun, but there's not much to talk about. But, I mean, besides huge news. But the huge news is the NFL. It's oh. coming up on that time. Everyone's oh. everyone's already studying. I know people have, like, papers and papers of fantasy results or fantasy thoughts and drafts. And I literally every morning, I almost, like, every Thursday. Tomorrow's Thursday, by the way. We're recording on Wednesday. Thursday, I'm going to, every Thursday I wake up and I play the Thursday night football theme. And... I was doing this like three weeks before football even was back. And now we have, now, granted, shitty football. Like really, really shitty football. Shout out to Sean Green and Ryan Kramer for their, their NFL unders, their, their their preseason unders. Like such a reminder. Like we had them on the pod two weeks ago, our last podcast. But talking about basically like I, I mentioned to them about their unders on uh, on March Madness. They're doing it again on their on their NFL unders. And I'm like, man. This football is so fucking bad. Like, Miami's a great example where, like, I mean, we talked about this earlier where uh, with our buddy Nate, like, Miami, the one touchdown they got scored on last week, there was no one in, like, 40 yards of that receiver. And then like, you were kind of mentioning Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, everyone was talking about how, like, we even saw it in our group chat, like, oh, Justin Fields looks so good. I'm like, man, I could throw to wide open receivers with 10 seconds of like 10 seconds to throw like it. Yeah, sure. He's still going to make the throws and yeah. he did look good, but did he look like Patrick Mahomes? No. Okay. okay. <laughs> we're going to get it. Like we're going to, we have lots more NFL to go. I like legitimately, I can talk about the NFL for like another half an hour. There, <laughs> there's just, it's just, man, the <laughs> Miami in that game, it, it, whatever, like you can, you can, you can talk, whatever you can pump the Justin Fields tires you, you can do whatever the heck you want. The overreaction to the first game of the preseason is absolutely astronomical. Like, the only thing that came out of that first week was that Tim Tebow doesn't know how to block. That's the only thing that I learned. And guess what happened? Tim Tebow got cut. That's not in our notes, but Tim Tebow got cut yesterday. Uh, uh, yeah, today's Wednesday. Yesterday he got cut. And he legitimately, there's two things I know. I could have, you and I, you could have been Justin Fields and I could have been the receiver. We could have got that touchdown. And the second thing I know is either of us, and you're not that tall and I'm not that thick, we could have blocked better than Tim Tebow. I mean, no doubt. The one block everyone was getting on was actually a very successful block. It, it, no, it wasn't. No, it was ugly and it. you're like, what the he hell is he doing? Him. But it stopped the guy from going that way because I think it confused the guy. Oh my. It wasn't even like he made contact, but yeah, he could not block and... If you asked me before the year, would I be shocked if Tim Tebow was cut after the first preseason game? I would have been. But after after watching him block, I'm like, yeah, sorry. I thought this guy, this guy's an athlete. He's an amazing athlete. I thought he would have figured it out better than this to play the position. And he didn't. I would have bet that he played one snap at least for Jacksonville. Man, I had a bet that Tim Tebow, what was the bet I had with Brady that I lost? Did he make the, make the team? Yeah, I think it was that he was going to make the team. 
I, I, but see, that that one snap, like one snap, he would have made a team. Even practice squad would have made a team. And like, again, with SGP last week, I was talking about this bad. And they're like, no chance. And I was like, man, are, are you sure? And then I saw that block come out and I was like, shit, there's no chance he's making a team. Actually, the one thing that I saw that was pretty funny was, um, man, it was an ESPN show. I forget. I forget what the actual show was. But they're talking about Tim Tebow, and the one guy says um, that Urban Meyer did not cut Tim Tebow because he saw that block. Urban Meyer cut Tim Tebow because the media saw that block. And I was like, man, that makes a lot of sense. And the lights went down, they were talking about Tebow, and they're like, oh, God, you're talking about Tebow, and God shuts the lights down. But, but like, legit, like, th- that actually sends made a lot of sense. Like, Urban Meyer knew what Tim Tebow was from the start. But as soon as that block happened, he's like, shit, it's all over the news. It's all over social media. I can't keep this guy on the team. I'm going to get torched. But I don't even know if that's it. Like, Tim Tebow is an incredible athlete. Like, he was actually successful at double A professional baseball. Triple A, he didn't do great. No. Majors, he didn't do great. No. But he was successful at double A. Yeah. He was successful in the NFL. You know what? Him and Damian Warner should do a uh, a decathlon. That would would be something. He was successful in the NFL when he played. He was great in college football. This guy is a terrific athlete. So I thought he'd be able to make a basic block. No. I I honestly did. So so did I. I thought he was going to make the team as a tight end. And by the way, tight ends don't just catch the ball. They sometimes block. They they run picks. And and Tim Tebow has two plays. The second one, by the way, which was not as like prevalent as the first one was even worse was even worse somehow the second one that i've seen he actually didn't even make a play at all the first one was ugly and a terrible block but it somehow worked well because he spun off him and it was a center draw like it was it was nothing the 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 second one i was like oh my gosh this guy that's where i thought like he's a good enough athlete that and a big guy i thought he could have showed enough to be a third or fourth string tight end like maybe practice squad yeah yeah as Sean, think, Sean said, Sean said he might get practice squad. I didn't expect him to be Travis Kelsey or anything, but <laughs> no. I expected him. He's an athlete, and he didn't show up to be an athlete. He showed up to be a scared guy who's in good shape. Here, here's the real thing, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but here's the other thing is, like, people were talking about how, like, this is a publicity stunt for Tebow. And I was like, no, like, who's going to put themselves through that? And then I watched those two blocks, and I was like, maybe? Like, I don't even know if it's a publicity stunt, but I also look at it and I'm like, man, this looks like a guy who doesn't want to get hurt. Like, he knows that he's going to get cut, and he doesn't want to get hurt. He's just doing it. And I'm like, but why would he do it? Why Why would Tim Tebow do that? And then he tweeted, oh, I'm like, pursuing a dream, this, that, and the other thing. I was like, bro, you already made the NFL. Like, you want a playoff game in OT. Yeah, and he still got cut. But yeah, because he's not, he, he can't play in the NFL. What's even more shocking is that Tebow played another game in the NFL and, and Colin Kaepernick did not. That is that still blows my it, mind. It still shocks me though that Tebow didn't get more because was the guy an incredible passer? No. Was he an incredible quarterback? No. No. Did he win? Yeah. Yeah. We won one game. No, but he won during like he made enough plays during the season to win games as well. I mean, Nick Foles is still Nick Foles is still in the NFL. No. So I mean, but he won a Super Bowl in one game. Yeah. But, so yeah. that's where like. Tim Tebow oh, won man. enough so games. I'm sorry to interrupt. Brock Osweiler? Yeah, there's enough Nate, shitty quarterbacks. Nate Peterman? I mean, okay, I'll give you a point there. Nate Peterman 
has got what three contracts since the Bills. So that's what I'm saying is I'm absolutely shocked that Tim Tebow, with the success he had in winning, not maybe his quarterback rating, all that stuff, yeah, yeah. in winning football games, he didn't get another chance as a quarterback. Yeah. So I kind of see. I can't disagree with that. I kind of see. I don't know. I kind of see why he's gone off, but I mean, I think that's enough Tim Tebow talk. Okay. For- Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. We're both wearing Miami Dolphins hats today. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to look at it and like when you went away, you went away. Like you were away from technology. I was gone. And gone. Even talking tonight, we were talking for a bit and kind of shooting the shit. And you hadn't realized that Xavier Howard restructured his contract. No. Xavier Howard is staying with the Miami Dolphins, which is awesome. And I I would just like to preface this with like this wasn't like a breakup where like I wasn't ripping. Like, I was mad at Xavier Howard. I wasn't ripping him as a football player. All I was saying, like, because there's people who's going to say, well, you said that Dolphins don't need him. This guy, I think they're still a good defense. Yeah, I, I, I stand by that. I still think they are. Um, are they better with Xavier Howard? Absolutely, they are. My beef with the whole thing was that Xavier Howard was still, when he was paid, a high-touted, like a very, very high, the highest-paid cornerback in the league. And he, I was bitching about, when I was bitching, I think it was on the pod two weeks ago, I was bitching about how I thought it was ridiculous that Xavier Howard was like, I didn't know what I was signing, and you're the highest paid cornerback in the league. That's a problem to me. Now, they've restructured, they've worked it out. That's great. He still has to build his trust back out with Brian Flores. No doubt about it. Because that trust is now broken. You've shown that you are no longer a team player. You're a it's all for me player. So go out this year. You better be on. You better you better fucking show up. In Masai we trust. In Brian Flores. In we Brian trust. Flores we trust. In Flores we trust. Your fantasy football name. I like it. But seriously, Xavier Howard, better you better show the fuck up this year. If you're gonna be a little bitch and talk about like, oh, I'm not this, that, and the other thing. I'm not the highest paid cornerback. I'm not even the highest paid cornerback in my team. Yada, yada, yada. And you lay a fucking egg this year. You are going to turn into the biggest villain the Dolphins seen in a long time. Yeah, your coverage numbers, not even your interceptions, your coverage numbers better be better than Byron Jones. Because they weren't last year. Your interceptions were off the charts. You better fucking be the best cornerback on the Dolphins this year. And if you're not, you don't... This is where, like, you can only pull this card once. And I cannot believe that he pulled this card this early. You cannot come out and say, I am the best, pay me the best, and I'm not even the best on my team. If you lay a fucking egg, like, good luck. Your leverage for the rest of your career is gone. Yeah. You are not, you will not, you are not getting another contract where you are going to have leverage on this. Yes, last year, and we, and I, and I, and I kind of talked about this. You got fortunate, and, and the, as we said, like there, there's there's a discussion that you and I had, Cam, where Xavier Howard was it ten picks last year, eleven picks. He got more picks because you told me that Byron Jones had better coverage. So where do they do? They threw to Xavier Howard, and what did Xavier Howard do? Got picks. And oftentimes, I and I believe, and multiple people believe that it was because well, there's pressure on the quarterback. They underthrew it. Xavier Howard got picks. You got paid again. You better fucking show up this year. And the other thing is, is he actually gave up bigger plays than Byron Jones did too. That's one of those things about being a super aggressive ball hawk is you'll get those picks, but you'll give up big plays if you miss. You, and he did do that. I hope he has. I actually hope that he has less interceptions this year. It was amazing last year to watch it. You're always like excited, like, oh, X. Like he's all, all these like, like super cool highlight packs and all this kind of stuff. I don't, I don't care about that. 
What do I care about? And what do you care about? Miami yes. Dolphins winning. And that's the thing. That's it. When he, when he started talking about the team and some of the things he said, that's what pissed me off. Is if you look at this team, even the most hated, like Sean Green and how much he hates Tua. Hates if you talk Tua. to him, if Tua can be half decent this year, and if Tua can be good, this team has a chance at the division. That's how good of a team that you are. Burke has a chance at 100 bucks. <laughs> this team is, if Tua can be good, this team has a really good chance and of winning Sean, the division. And as Sean said last week, like he's saying, like, good, like 4,000 yards, like that's the kind of good. And frankly, without Chan Gailey, like, this offense should be better. And we, you and I bitched about this last year all the time. Like, every game, we're like, oh, my God. Like, they're doing, like, first, like first down run, second down run, third down toss. And two is getting, like, no touches. He's getting nothing. He's doing these under underneath passes. He's not. And that's not the kind of quarterback he is. Like, he's a movement quarterback. And, and Chan Gailey's, like, protecting him. And it happened all year long. He got into, into, into interception trouble late in the season. Fitzpatrick came and bailed him out. And the whole plan did not work. Well, it just didn't. There's no excuses this year. No. You, zero. Uh, yeah, you still probably have a bunch of B running backs. Malcolm Brown's, Th- Salvin Ahmed. You look, look at your this, receiver core. You have Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle, <laughs> yes. Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki. You look at their like second and third tier Man. of wide receivers. You have Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant. As it's your rid- like second and third it's tier. It's ridiculous. There's like, no excuses for two. No. This if, is you can't, if you can't hit any of these guys, as I, I think I said, I, again, I'm, I'm getting mixed up on pods, but I said at some point that um, I'll give Tua some slack last year in terms of throwing passes because um, he, he didn't have, like he had Isaiah Ford who dropped a crap ton. Mike Isecki was okay. Devontae Parker was hurt. Um, his running backs were garbage. He had Shan Gailey. Like, there was a lot of things working and against him. And you're coming them. off a season where you had major hip surgery. Yes. No preseason. No training camp. Yep. There's a lot of factors here. And then you bring in this year. Jalen Waddle. Will Fuller. Devontae Parker's healthy. Like, it's... it's you. Yeah, you've worked with Mike Isecki now. Who's yeah, proven you, he's a top 5'10". And, and, and Chan Gailey's gone. Like There's you, no excuse. None. Zero. There, There is no... And you were hating on Tua at the end of last year. And I don't blame you. Like, the last game, he was trash. No, and that's... And like, that's the game against the Bills, he was awful. And that's the thing. Is this... Going into this season, do I know if Tua's the, the, the person? No. No, I don't. But do I think he deserves a chance based on his potential? Yeah. Yeah. And For sure he does. If five, six weeks, the Dolphins go one and five and two is horrible... I'm okay with Jacoby Brissett being their quarterback. Well, I was gonna say if Jacoby Brissett has to if, if Jacoby Brissett has to start a game, that is trouble. And I, and I look at the first preseason game. I know it's the first preseason game, and it's shit. You look at the like roster the Dolphins had. That you had like no Phillips, no Howard, no Jones, no Parker, no Fuller, no Gasecki. Like you look at like nobody was playing. No, but Tua was, and he was aggressive. He was throwing downfield. He threw a pick. His stat line didn't look good, but I loved what I saw. This is the time to be aggressive. Yes. He's going against the Falcons in like mock preseason like practices. Like they're playing inner squad. He's throwing aggressive. He's throwing some picks. He's doing some. This, this is, what, is the time to do it. This is what he was in, see, in college. I want to see you look downfield. And then like you look at this preseason and you see what Jalen Waddle's doing. And man, just get this guy the ball. Even just in the first preseason game, the punt return he had, he's like making three guys miss. Only getting like 20 yards. On a punt return, that's still really, really that's good. Bad. And you're just like, man, if we can get like Jalen Waddle, Will Fuller but on all, some of these all... slants, and then you're like, oh yeah, I can also just throw up the ball 50-50 to Parker and Gasaki. Easy money. 
This guy's like, got no excuses. Legitimately, legitimately, last year, the big problem with Tua, especially throwing downfield, how many long bombs did he throw last season? None. Almost zero. How many were underneath in tight coverage in areas where he wasn't comfortable? And, and not only that, but like you're playing against guys who probably haven't played with a le- with a with a left throwing quarterback. And you could say, well, you know, th- there's some slack because you know the uh, the defensive line is not used to playing guys that are that are that are you know throw left, so they're going to run the wrong way. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, how many receivers have played? And caught guys who are throwing left. Is that going to make a difference? Fuck yeah, well, man. Because they're expecting this to come out at one angle. You have one second. Like, especially on all those underneath slants that Chen Gailey was calling. You have like half a second, one second before the ball's there. If it's not where you're expecting it to be, you're not going to grab it. Isaiah Ford dropped everything. Is that Isaiah Ford's problem? Probably. Could it be Tua's problem? Probably. Is Tua an underneath thrower? No. Like, and I get protecting him because he had hip surgery. He had all these problems. You didn't have the tools. It seemed to me last year that Miami did not know, or sorry, they thought they didn't have a chance last year. They missed the playoffs by one fucking game. And whether you've got Dustin in the playoffs, probably. But at least they would have fucking made it. And they they just, they did not have the belief. Not Brian Flores. But like, they just, like... I don't know if it was ownership or who it was. Chan Gailey was protecting Tua Tungavailoa all fucking year. And it's maybe it's because they had Ryan Fitzpatrick as his fallback. You don't have that anymore. And you can't protect this guy. Like, just for the future of this franchise, you need, and this is something that we talked about at the end of last year, you need to find out what you have now. If you have to transition off of Tua Tungavailoa, now is when you have to do it. You have a young team. You have a talented core. You've brought in guys. You've paid guys. You don't have time or the luxury to just sit there and be like, oh, well, we're just going to, you know, run with, uh, um, we're just going to run with Ahmed. We're going to run with Gasket. We're going to see what's going to happen. Run, run, pass underneath. Oh, didn't get it. Oh, I guess we're going to go nine and eight and just have another mediocre season. Fuck no. Enough of that bullshit. Like, we are done. I am done. And I've been a Miami fan, so I'm going on a rant. I've been a Miami fan for like four or five years, four or five, six years, whatever the case is, since I seriously started watching football. And they were mediocre, 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 shit, better, better. They missed the playoffs by one game. They went 10-6 and six last year. You, you cannot take a regression step. And I think that the moves that the ownership has done with Miami Dolphins has been really, really good this offseason. Their defense is pretty much the same, now that, especially now that X is still staying. Their offense is infinitely more talented than last year. Well, at the wide receiver position, not at the running back position. You don't have excuses. No, there's, there's zero excuses here. And you come into this year, your defense actually should... Arguably, be better. You're more, you're, you're more gel now. You got and you got a guy like Jalen Phillips coming off the edge now, who can actually be an edge thing. You got no Igbenogany. You were third. Another year. You were the third. Were you the third overall defense last and year? Everybody I talked to, this Canadian safety they picked up in the draft is unbelievable in Holland. Like they picked up better pieces on defense. Are they going to get the same amount of turnovers? Probably not. Like they were, they were crazy high turnovers. But are they going to be better on third down? Which they actually weren't great if you looked at it. No, they weren't. They gave up big plays quite often. Are they going to be better in those situations? I believe so. Yeah. Is their offense going to be better? I'm not convinced, but it should be. The, the, okay. The best comparison that I can give is like, this is what, like, if the Leafs loaded up, the Leafs this year had the best offense they've had on paper. Should they have been better? Yes. Were they better? Regular season? Sure they were. Playoff success? No. 
like they the, the same thing with the Dolphins. They have a much much infinitely better offense on paper than they had a year ago, than they had two years ago, three years ago, or or fucking when they had Jay Cutler. Like Jesus, like they they're they're so much better, and yet, they, they, like there, there's so much uncertainty mainly at the quarterback position. Which, and you had a chance, you had a chance this year. Not only that, to draft another quarterback. Because you had a high draft pick. You're the fifth overall pick. And guess what you did? You didn't draft the quarterback. You drafted Jalen Waddle, which I love as a selection. Don't get me wrong. But what that tells me, what that tells you and every other Miami fan, is that they think that Tua Tagovailoa is the quarterback. This you got to prove them right. Because I don't know where you go from here if you don't. Like, I think that in the camp, I'm not even lying. Like, I actually think that this year is a pivotal year for Miami and our success in moving forward. Because if you do not... Have success with Tua Tagovailoa. How the fuck are you going to get better? No, and that comes down to it. Do I know if Tua is the quarterback? I don't. And I, and I, I'll be honest. I was negative against him. I'm not Sean Green negative, but I, I'm hopeful this season. Like we're looking up, and if Tua Tagovailoa can live up to his potential, this team could win the division for sure, hundred percent. If he, if he can't, and he turns into like a Josh Rosen, where he's a super high pick and oh, just God. and just fizzles, but it's true. And they had to move on. And Josh you, Rosen just gives me You like, look at Arizona now, <laughs> and they made the right choice by moving on. Yeah. Tyler Murray's a stud. Yes. And so could Tua not be the quarterback, even though he looked like he had so much potential? Sure. Sure. And did he show much in year one? No. No. But were there a lot of factors that were unknown, COVID, injury, all that? Or yes. Against, and things against him, too. Like, yeah. he did not get the easiest hand. No doubt about no. it. And that's, that's my argument. Like, when they drafted Jalen Waddle, I'm like, yeah, I like it. If they went Justin Fields... Would I be 100% against it? No, because you've seen a team like Arizona who drafted a high quarterback. It wasn't working. They went somewhere else, and it's worked. And, like, Justin Fields, too. Like, like or, like, um, let's talk about, like, Herbert. Like, they could have they had Herbert. Didn't get him. They took, two, they took two of them. Yeah, and, I mean, they were banking on potential. Justin Herbert's way outlived his potential already. 100%. But he's also had better tools. Like, didn't have an injury. Had a fully healthy and excellent receiving core. Had, um, you know, like, I mean, Anthony Lynn was not a good coach, but I don't think that's a shocking thing by any but that, means. But I think Anthony Lynn helped his numbers because their defense ended up being way worse than it should be. So they had to they run were and, passing more. Yeah, they had to run and gun. I mean, seriously, if you put Justin Herber in the Chan Gailey offense, no chance he has the same numbers. Zero. So again, like I just come back to it and do I know if the Dolphins are going to be successful? No. Is it going to come back to Tua? Yes. Do I think he deserves a chance based on his potential? For sure. And I was happy they went Jalen Waddle. They brought in all the Tua's now. It's on Tua. If Tua can't do it, the Dolphins are in trouble. But do I think this is also a spot they needed to get to? Yeah. Everything you've done. You have to. Everything you've done, you invested in this quarterback. You can bring in all the tools around him to try and be successful. You've got to give him a chance to succeed. If he doesn't succeed, you're in trouble. Oh, you're in big trouble. You got to figure out a way to find a quarterback because this team's only window is only. You so big. better hope that you still have a crap ton of draft picks and you get Deshaun Watson. That's that's your only out. But anyway, I want to touch on a couple fantasy things now. I mean, we hit me up. We can have a big Dolphins rant first. So I know you have first overall in one of your fantasy, yes, right? Correct. So I want to I want to know where you're going with this. What do you think? Um. So the problem that I have is is that. I have to go Christian McCaffrey because if I don't go Christian McCaffrey and this guy has an absolute banger of year um, coming off of a year where he was injured, then I'm going to 
hate myself and I get roasted by the rest of the league. That being said, like I have to then turn down Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara, which again, like all those guys are stud twos. When Christian McCaffrey's health, healthy and the Panthers are running their offense the way that they run it and they run it all through McCaffrey, he's like his his points average is ridiculous. And I, I and I know that Chuba Hubbard has been excellent. And I know that he might take, we were talking about this earlier, like he might take touches away from and all that kind of stuff. But if you, you can't turn down arguably the best versatile running back slash receiver in the league, I think that's difficult to turn down. But that being said, it like, man, I just, there's so, a number one pick is so stressful because you, you have infinite amount of choices. You can select anybody in the league first, and then you don't get another pick depending on the size of the pool for uh, if it's a 12-guy league, you're picking 24th. If it's a 10-guy, you're picking 20th. So you're like, shit, I have to make sure this is right. I've, I sit, In our league, I have, a, I have the 6th overall pick. I way prefer that one. I fuck up the 6th one. At least I've got the the uh, the 18th pick, right? So I don't know. I think C-Max the pick, but it's like it's still stressful as all heck. Yeah, to me it comes down to two things. One safe. To me it's two guys, Dalvin Cook or Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And Dalvin Cook's the safe play. Hot, low ceiling, low floor. You pretty much know what you're going to get week in, week out. Sure, he can have a game here or there. C-Mac, floor, he could be injured for a lot of the year. Well, it's not Saquon. Or, but C-Mac hasn't been super healthy. No, I mean, okay, the year before he was good. The, the, no, but that's the thing. Last year he was hurt. But again, it's, like, it's, it's one of those risks that you take with... Any running back, really. Yeah, like that's the problem that I have. Is like he was injured last year. Saquon's a different story. Because, and like we brought that up earlier in the podcast, but like Saquon is like, he's been hurt two years in a row. So now you're like, okay, this guy's like the Joffrey Lupo of the NFL. Like, are you really going to pick him for your fantasy team? Like, he's a stud, but like, oh, Joffrey Lupo wasn't a stud. But, so like, yeah, that's that's all I'm saying is like, Delvin Cook is the safe play to me. I mean, he, he's, he is, but he's, to me, he has a lower floor or a higher floor, I guess. Yeah, lower ceiling. The only argument I have against that is, is like, is he going to be used? By like, if you look at like, Je- they, like they also have Jefferson. They have Jefferson and Thielen. They're, right, they got a good offense. But this but- is what I'm saying, though. So like, the, the problem that I have with Dalvin Cook. No, don't get me wrong. Dalvin Cook won me fantasy matches down the stretch, no doubt about it. He got hurt, he had a hamstring injury down the stretch last year, so was not helpful. Um, but he absolutely Dalvin Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry in fantasy are almost exactly the same, where their floor is is high. And their ceiling is also high, but their average is like medium to low, right? They're, those guys are going to get you 12 to 13 points a game, no no doubt, right? And they could get upwards and of 24. And they're, yeah, they're probably going to get 18 to 20. Yeah, they're going to get 18 to 20, could get up to 24. But then you look at like CMAC, like if you're playing in a, in a, in a half-point PPR, um, I'm not going to explain what to listeners what fantasy, about fantasy football. If you're playing in a half-point PPR... Um, like C-Mac gets a lot of dumps, like a lot of dump throws. He, he gets a lot of runs. He'll get little yardages. And I was saying to you earlier, like if Chuba Hubbard wants to take those those first down two-yard runs, yeah, it's going to take away from C-Mac. But if that means that C-Mac's going to be um, fresher and healthier and all that kind of stuff, I actually think that his point um, ceiling is going to be higher than it even was before. Um, well, that's I, where I have to – you have to look at the teams too. Do I think C-Mac – and that's what, my whole argument. Do I think C-Mac could have weeks where he's like 30s? In points, yes, multiple. But then I also am scared he could have weeks where he's under ten. That's that's my argument. Where like under ten is a stretch, though. Like 
he's just not healthy. I know, but half point PPR. If he gets if he gets five catches for, um, you know, whatever, five catches for twenty five yards, that's five points. Yeah. So all he has to do is get eighty yards a game with five catches. Yeah, but is I just I could like, see it happening. His his injury scares me. So that's. That kind of moves into my point. Like, I have the third overall pick, and you almost get the same argument. Like, you get Derrick Henry versus Alvin Kamara. Derrick Henry doesn't catch the ball. No. but Well, he did one time, but no, he doesn't. He, he runs at 80 to 100 yards plus every week. So he's a guy who you're like, yeah, I'm going to consistently get 15 points from. But he doesn't give me that upside of what did Kamara have in, like, the second last week? Like, okay, 50? Kamara won fantasy, <laughs> fantasy match. Now, to be fair, though... Derrick Henry against poor running teams is a nightmare. Man, this guy, the oh. one week, I remember... He had, he had a couple games, like 200 yards. I think but. I had $200 on, on the Titans winning one game. And Derrick Henry... And I had, and had Derrick Henry on my fantasy lineup that week. I needed to win. Like, it was like a, it was a, I'm not sure if it was a Sunday night game or what it was. This parlay like, came down to the Titans and Derrick Henry when the fantasy league... Man, this guy went for like 25 points. And it was like he went. He just rumbled like eighty yard touchdown, twenty yard touchdown, five yard touchdown. Like he had five touchdowns. Like it was just ridiculous. I've had him on my team two years in a row. Um, I don't know. It, it's this is the beautiful thing that I love about fantasy football. Better than any other fantasy league is that your decisions earlier in the draft are so much more important than any other fantasy league ever. NBA, NFL, or sorry, NBA, NHL, MLB. Like, those guys have injuries all the time. There's a whole bunch of stuff. NFL, if you fuck up the first three rounds. Cam, tell me what happens when two guys get injured off your first three picks. You finish last. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Cortland Sutton and Saquon Barkley. Yeah. By the way, what under what circumstances would you draft them? If, they're, if Saquon's around in my second pick at third overall, I'm probably taking him. If Sutton's around at my... I don't know, 14th round. <laughs> I might draft him. But 14th round. Yeah, that basically just touches on it. Like when I get into Derrick Henry's stats too, I'm also like like it's it's just hilarious cuz I'm looking at their picking up Julio. Julio and Brown, they're going to pass the ball a ton. But if they're going to pass it downfield a ton, that also opens up the running games yeah, I know. more. It's... So is he going to go for more yards or are they going to By the way, <laughs> speaking of Julio, he's going to drop this year. He's got it. Like, he's been a top. He's been a two round, top two round pick, um, the last three four years. There's no chance. Like, are you taking? If you had a choice, and he was available in round three, are you taking him? I'd have to look into it more. But he, to me, he's their second. He's the wide receiver two on that team. That's what I'm saying. Like, so and, I don't know if that, you can draft it, him that high, well, especially when you got Derrick Henry and Brown. Like, but, but not only that, that is like Julio's like historically has like this guy is like a touchdown guy. He doesn't get a ton of yards. He gets touchdowns. If he doesn't get touchdowns, guess what happens? He doesn't get points. Like, that's that's it. That's over. So, I don't know. I, I As I said, fantasy football, again, is one of those things where, like, I look forward to it every single year. My wife fucking hates it so much. Every Sunday, I'm on my phone at, like, 9 in the morning, and I'm on it every single day. Part, uh, apart from the gambling side of it, which, by the way, on the podcast coming up, we will be making NFL picks starting week one of the NFL season. Uh, probably do some props, throw that kind of stuff out, throw out some, uh, some parlays that we like, some mini parlays, some teasers, things like that. 
Um, and we will we will be doing that for the entire NFL season and keeping track of our picks week to week. Uh, we will be 100% honest and open about our bets. Just like the NHL. ATS against the spread. Against the spread. Every game. So we will be 100% honest. We'll make the picks. We'll keep a record. If I go 20%, I will be here to tell you. You could go 20%. And I could be like Chris Abbott from Cool Bet and you just fade me every week. (laughs) We are going to do locks too. So like, I know that Sean Green and everything, they do lock dog tees. We're not going to steal their bit. Um, But we are going to do a lock ATS against the spread every week. And we're going to mix it up. We're not just going to pick. Like if you look at... uh, the locks on what is it? Good morning football or um, whatever it is. They always pick like the you know the worst teams. We're gonna pick locks that you know we're, we're not picking Chiefs versus fucking. Uh, no, and I think I think another segment teams. segment that's fun. I mean, we'll get more into it. It's just kind of a survivor pool pick. Yeah. So you can't take the pick Chiefs every week because it's a survivor pool. You got to switch it up. Yeah. And figure out which week. So I think that'll be something fun to run through. But I mean, we're gonna do it. Football's exciting. And hey, I was perfect in locks in the NHL this year. So, I mean, hey. That's I, a lot of pressure. I mean, it is. I don't, I, I don't think you do that in the NFL. I, you know what? <laughs> I kind of want to lose week one just to take the pressure off, right? Like, just, just get it out of the way. Be like, oh, I lost week one. But then go like like 15-1, but lose week one so that there's no pressure. So, I mean, we got a couple of weeks to touch on fantasy and betting and touch on the teams a little more. Any last thoughts on the NFL, Zach? Uh, oh, one more thing about about NFL. Uh, division predictions, we are going to do that. So, we're going to talk just kind of about what we see going on in the divisions. Uh, more than likely, that's probably going to be... Because uh, we also want to go over some fantasy stuff too. Like we want to go over kind of like mock fantasy drafts or something. Yeah, I mean, I think stuff. we have to. I don't know. I think we have to split it into a few weeks. We got a few weeks before yeah, the season. I, I, I think so. We'll, we'll figure out how to split it. I think we're probably going to go the week before the season. I think we're. I mean, that'll give us an idea, basically based on injuries and that kind of stuff too. And um, just kind of go over over that. Um, also, Cam and I are also going to go over the Dolphins' schedule um, and just kind of predict our. Um, our season's totals, our season wins, our 17-game season, go, go through it game by game and just kind of give our analysis of what we think is going to happen. That'll be on the pod too. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, – I'm so happy the NFL's back. My wife hates that it's back. Um, I love that it's back. It's been a long six, seven months, man. And uh, and there's fans in the stands this year. And I'm just – I'm so pumped to be wearing the Miami swag. Fins up, baby. Let's fucking go. Yeah, I mean, that's all I got to touch on. We got a couple weeks left to talk about it. There will be a ton of NFL talk. I don't know how we keep this pot under two hours during the NFL no season. Chance. But, no chance. Uh, no chance. One last thing. Quickly. Ain't no hobby, I mean, we, baby. We have touched about it. Ain't no, no hobby, baby. About the NFL first. Oh. I already go What the position would you draft Saquon Barkley? Like, number-wise? Yeah. Didn't we just talk about that? We somewhat touched on it, but oh. what position... Oh, I don't know. Like, I'd probably draft him in the fourth, third or fourth round. You think that late? I mean, man, look at the look, look at the like. If you're, like, it depends if you're a fourteen or a ten person league. If you're a ten person league, look at the talent in the top twenty. The ceiling's just still so high with Saquon. Yeah, but he's gonna blow an ACL out. The guy's been fucking injured the last. Have you two seen years. those quads though, man. Sidney Crosby's got better quads. Than Come on. Anyways, digressing. As you said. Ain't no hobby. This ain't no hobby. Ain't no hobby. Man, what a fucking weekend. Not piggybacking on foreplay pod at all. But well, like I mean, it's just Kevin Kisner. Man. Like, okay, you can be fans of other podcasts. 
we are fans of SGP. We are fans of the four-play pot. Um, we're just kind of fans of all that kind of stuff. Kevin Kistner wins a golf tournament on Sunday. Six-man playoff. The guy comes on the four-play pot. I listened to the whole thing today. And he was like, man. So I think I, one of the things that – the first thing is is that he's kind of like – they were saying on the four-play pot that this guy basically says that like you pull all the PGA guys. They all want to play with kids, which is hilarious to me. Like, imagine being the funniest guy, the chirpiest guy on the on the PGA Tour. He was like, yeah, I want to go off with kids because he's so much fun. That's awesome. Number two, kids comes out and basically says like, man, like on 15, I was like, man, I'm fucked. And then I birdied 16 and, and saw that whatever buddy par, got par and I was, he's one stroke back. He's like, fuck this bitch. I'm going to win this thing. And I was like, yes, sir. I love it, kids. Like go get them. Um, it's nice to see guys win tournaments who we know who they are. And who don't win a lot of golf tournaments. This guy's been a pro for how long? This is his fourth PGA Tour win. I mean, he's won some big events. He won some WGC match play last year. And this guy's a match play assassin. He's unbelievable. Well, his putting is like Well, that's where, like, I don't know how much you saw of it. So Friday night, actually, it was during the podcast for foreplay. Pat Perez was on for two and a half hours. And he's like, Riggs, you're in Scottsdale. Come over to my house. Let's drink. So Riggs went over there, got absolutely plastered. On his taxi ride home, started tweeting out, Kids for Ryder Cup on the Saturday night, Friday night, just kids for Ryder Cup. This guy's a match absolutely hammered. Apparently, yeah, Riggs yeah. doesn't remember much of it. <laughs> so, what does kids do? He goes and wins a golf tournament, just backs up all Riggs's comments. It was just awesome to see. But this guy's just awesome. Yeah, he hasn't won a ton of tournaments. This guy's unbelievable. Every guy wants to play with him. This guy's the most relatable guy in the world. When asked about Bryson's stuff, and he's like, asked, like, well, why do you even go to these majors? Because 20th pays a whole fucking ton of money. Of course I want to go make a ton of money. I don't need to win tournaments. No, I mean, that was one thing he was saying, like, walking down to 18. And he, like, had basically packed up all his shit. And Adam Scott missed a putt. And he's like, oh, man, I got to go play in this thing. And he's like, they're saying in the four-play pot, they got pulled off the, the practice green. He didn't even fucking know. Or whatever the case was. And I was like, man, like, he's saying to himself walking down that, oh, yeah, top five is fine. Oh, yeah, because yeah, you're getting paid like a couple hundred grand. Like, yeah, that's oh, nice. I know. Now this guy pulls in a cool $1.15 million oh, for man. winning. I love that he showed Riggs his, his checking account. He's that's like, hey, Riggs, look at this. That's the best thing. Is So Riggs and Foreplay were bugging him like, how do you guys get this? Like, do you get the big checks like Happy Gilmore? And he's like, no, man, it's Wad Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday morning, they put in whatever money you want. So we all call it Wad Wednesday. <laughs> he's like, I just opened up my checking account in the morning and that's right in it. Just and it's 1.1 mil. So this Wednesday, he would have today as we're talking he would have woke up this morning just with 1.1 mil in his checking Man, what account a feeling. The PGA. i'll tell you one thing like not even like so my sister fucked up she went to the bank with a check that was 94 dollars from whatever i'm not sure it was tips from her job or whatever the case was she punched in ninety four thousand dollars at the atm and like woke up and didn't like didn't recognize it. Woke up the next morning and, and her bank account showed ninety four grand at her ATM. She's like, "Drinks on me, everybody! Let's go!" Obviously kidding because she knows it wasn't her money. But man, imagine if that was like you wake up on Wednesday morning. You're Kevin Kisner. No, he's got a wife. He's got kids and all that stuff. You wake up Wednesday morning. You're like, "Okay, I got like you know four or five million in my checking account." You wake up the next morning. You're like, "Oh look, six point one million. That's nice." Cha-ching. 
guess I'll go get some Baconators at Wendy Wendy's, which that was also funny. Yeah, they were just I, talking. That was, funny. And, <laughs> that was one of the funniest parts of the pod is uh, he was when at Wendy's. He's like, ah, I usually just get like a junior bacon cheeseburger. But I saw this new Baconator thing and Trent just calls him out. Oh, Kevin. Oh, Kevin. Like, how have I not heard of a Baconator? No, but it was funny, though, because he was like, oh, yeah, I usually got stuff on the dollar menu. And he didn't say it, but I was like, man, this guy's like, fuck that. I got, like, $1. million coming. I'm going to splurge $12 for a Baconator. But, man, like, every time you hear Kevin Kisner talk, you're like, man, I want to go play golf with Kevin Kisner. Man. Like, do I want to play golf with John Rom? Probably not. I would. I mean, they're incredible, but... Do I think it'd be way more fun to play golf with Kevin Kisner? Yeah. 100%. This guy's literally like, so what do you think of Bryson and hitting it long and going to the gym and stuff? He's like, yeah, I'd love to do that, but I love beer and my kids way too much. <laughs> like, this guy's just like, All right. I'm like, this is exactly how I feel every weekend. So Why I'm, am I not good at golf? Because <laughs> I love beer and family and friends way too much. Yeah, that's my that's, actually, yeah, that's actually my thing too. I'm actually not as good as golf because I like beer and, and family and my work too much. Um, okay, so we're running long, but... If you had a top three, you golf with three people right now. Top three golfers that you would golf with. Hit me with a list. This is kind of like Twisted T. There's no wrong answers except for Raspberry. So who's your top? <laughs> who's your top three? I mean, actually, I think this is pretty easy. I mean, it's got to be Kevin Kisner's got to be in it. Okay. I mean, number one is Tiger Woods. Obviously, there's there's no there's question no marks there. No. For me, it's. The third one's probably tougher. I think I'd probably go with Justin Thomas because he's closer to my age, and I think he's just a ton of fun and hilarious. But I was wrestling with that one. It was between Phil or JT. And oh, man. Playing lefty, I'm a lefty. Playing with another lefty, that'd be fun. And Phil's a blast. But I think JT, just with the age and how close he is to us, I think that'd be way more fun. But Kisner, Tiger, JT. I like it. Um, Tiger is definitely my number one. I mean, I think that anybody who's 27 – or sorry, let me rephrase that. Anybody who's like 25 to 34 is probably going to, maybe older, is going to take Tiger. I don't think there's a doubt about it. I mean, that, especially if you're a 20 handicap, 21 handicap like I am, like like the tips that you're going to get from this guy, like the experience and like whatever is going to be unreal. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have kids in my top th- top three. I mean, I like them. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like golfing with, Phil's definitely in the top three. I, the, the problem that I have, I don't know if he's two or three. I think the only other guy that I think would be up there is is um, Rory McIlroy's got to be up there for me. I mean, the guy strikes the ball so well. I mean, the girls love the accent. <clears throat> I love the accent, personally. I, I mean, I said the girls, but it's just me. I mean, I love the accent. Um I don't know. I think that he'd be. I think that he'd be a fun guy. But I mean, come on, Phil. The the only, but the only way that I think golfing with Phil would be fun was if you had money on the line. Then it would be like, like that would be. But even maybe the worst thing ever though, because like a guy like me golfing with Phil, I'd be like, Yo, Phil, five bucks on this hole. I'd be like, Fuck you, five thousand on this <laughs> hole. <laughs> he's still giving you thirty strokes. Yeah. No, he's like, if you if you triple this hole, I'll give you the win. I'm like. Oh God, I can't, I can't four putt this. And then, and then, then, then I four putt it, which by the way, speaking of four putts last thing, or yeah, four putts last thing I want to talk about on just in terms of the four play pod. So on the, on the Kevin Kisner podcast, he asked Frankie to go get a ball. And he's like, Frankie, go get a ball. So Frank got a ball. He's like, give it to Trent and go stand 12 feet away. Trent, throw the ball to Frankie, throws it right in his hand. 
He says, and you're not, you're telling me you don't have any fucking touch when it comes to a putter. And his point was basically like, you can throw a ball directly in someone's hands, but you can't put a ball close to a hole. He's like, garbage. Absolutely not. He's like, and this is something that actually listening to that, I felt helped me as an amateur golfer. And this is not the first time that I've heard this, but the first time that a professional said it was, you don't try to make the putt. You try to make it like, get this speed right. And pick a line. Pick a line, get the speed right, and it might go in the hole. And sometimes it does. Anything, Kisner said, anything outside of four feet, pick a line, get the speed right, and it might go in the hole. Well, that's the thing that even blew my mind. Like, I'm a 5.1 handicap right now, which, okay. is, which is a six, pretty good golfer. All right, put your shirt down, you're flexing. But I'm, I'm thinking about that, and I'm like, man, anything within 15 feet, I feel like I should make, which is wrong. I am not good enough to think I can make everything. The only time you can make those putts is if it's on 18 in a tournament. That's about it. But to even think like those putts, I'm like, yeah, I got to just think, pick a line, worry about the speed. Maybe it goes in. And hearing that from a guy who's a four-time winner, he's 13th like... Best, 13th best putter on the PGA Tour this year. This guy's like top 40 all-time money list. He's won top 40 all-time in winning money golfing. Maybe I should listen to this guy yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Any any tips he wants to give me, I'll take. You know who my fourth person that I would golf with on my list? The Turf King. The Turf King is number four. Thankfully, I get to golf with him all the time. We got a scramble coming up this week. I got to dip early because of a wedding, which is, you know, great. Celebration of um, of that kind of stuff. But I am sad to get out of the scramble. Got the hackers coming up, though. That's going to be a good time. Defending champ over here. Across the table from me right now. Yeah. We're His looking, name's on a plaque two feet away from me. We're looking to go back to back. So it, I, it's it's a fun time. This kind of... It feels like the golf season is wrapping up, but we went into almost December. I know. Lot. I was saying that the other day. I was like, man, like, where the fuck did this season go? But at the same time, we went into almost December last year, so we got time, but it's the scramble season. We got a bunch of scrambles coming up. It uh, should be club, lots of fun. Club championships are wrapping up. I know you got, you just did yours, and and that was a success. So I before we end it, we're at, almost at two hours, so we've done real good. What... Give me the Turf King report for this time of year. We all love the Turf King report. As the seasons go on, the fairways change, the greens change, it gets warmer, it dries out. Um, at the kind of mid to end of August, going into September and the fall season, what changes are we ex- are we expected to see on the fairways and greens that may affect the game? Well, I mean, for the next month, there shouldn't be much change. Once you kind of get past Labor Day, you start to get in airifications on the greens. And I know every golfer hates airified greens. Okay, I would just like to say that, yes, we normally do. But if they're filled correctly, it's not as noticeable. Shout out to Tamarack Golf Club who didn't fill their fucking holes and it just bounced around like a plinko. It was like, don't, don't. There's like, it's like, you just threw it. Talk about, you know what? Talk about putting it towards the hole. You literally just like putted it and you're like, and you could have been right two feet and it was going ding 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 off of holes and getting the uh, ridiculous but fill, fill your fucking holes come on so wow, here's your sexual. amateur see here yeah <laughs> see here's your amateur take on airification and airification is the most important thing you do on a green and it sucks uh i don't like putting on them there is advantages and disadvantages to fill them in one of them is you get smoother greens if they get filled correctly sometimes the air in them can be better it is the most important thing that you can do to golf greens to make them better for July and August. And if they heal properly and you do them early enough, 
it's two, three weeks at most of bad greens. And it makes the greens so much better for the next season. So there are things that need to be done. Other than that, right now, the course has got to be playing firm, fast. People are watering greens a little more, so the greens are soft. Man, I'm hitting drives way longer than I have all season because we haven't got rain. Things are drying out, so right now is probably a great time to get golfing. That's why it's fun to play in all these scrambles right now. Ball should be rolling out. Going to tack some pins, have some wedges in, and courses should be in great shape. It's been a good year. Most courses shouldn't run out of water now. We've had enough rain. I mean, I know our reservoir was over capacity, so we're good to go till September. Airification is the big thing, but trust me, it's the most important thing to make golf greens good so you don't have issues in the future. Well, Turf King says it. Aerating greens, important. Is it aerating or airification? Is aerating the same thing? Yeah, they're, they're the same okay. thing. So aerating Airification just sounds smarter. <laughs> aerating greens is important. Don't bitch about it because Turf King is going to come and get you. Um, I love it. One hour, 52 minutes into the podcast and this is what happens live from burke's bar you just roll with it you take a week off we come out we had a short pod last week short pod, or two weeks ago a shorter pod the couple weeks before we come out the gate and we hit you with a good one moving into the nfl season cam this is really setting a precedent for the upcoming nfl season this is what you should expect because there's no doubt and we said this earlier there's no doubt in my mind we are going to have a tough time with not 17 games, 17 weeks, no more than that, 18 weeks this season. Is there, or is it 19? Is there two bye weeks? No, just one bye week. All right, still. 18 weeks. And what? Uh, what is it, uh, 15 games a week? We are going to have a tough time. If you do the math there, you talk about a, a game for five minutes times 15, you're an hour and 25 minutes talking about the NFL. You don't talk about fantasy. You don't talk about any other thing going on in the sports world. The NHL is coming back in two months. The NBA is rolling back in three months. And, uh, yeah, good time to be an over six sports fan. Yeah, hopefully you have a good drive or uh, hopefully you can throw your headphones in at work or just Woo! play the radio. I mean, your coworkers probably want to hear us too. I mean, hey, if my father-in-law is listening to the podcast and I never thought he would, again, third time on this podcast, shout out Dave. Because I just have a feeling he's going to listen. He bitched me out last week for not shouting him out for the Raptors banner, which is stupid. But, uh, Cam, anything else you got? No, that's all. We're going to wrap it up. It it was a fun week, and I'm happy to be at Burke's Bar, and let's do this again. Happy to have you. I love it. I love the the in-person stuff. We'll probably move back to Riverside soon. But, hey, anytime you're down in the area, you want to hit it up live, that's what we're going to do, as always. You can follow us on Twitter, at Over6Sports, which we haven't tweeted from very often because we've been on vacation, we've been busy, we're going to get back to it, don't you worry. Uh, but you can also follow at over 6 and at C Charlton Turf, which I'm still working on making him change it to, to at Turf King. I feel like he should. It's going to happen one day. I have a feeling. And for the Over6 Sports Podcast, I am Zach the Bandit Burke, and with me, as always, I'm still not going to say it. No matter how hard you try, say it. not saying it. Cameron Charlton, the Turf King. Thank you for listening to Over Six Sports, and we will chat with you next week. 